Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And sponsored by gemrate.com. The latest grading statistic from the four major grading companies is just a click away. Visit gemrate.com. It's free. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, where we talk TTMs, cards, autographs, collecting, and a whole lot more. That's whatever Drew wants to talk about. That's in his yep. contract. <laughs> it is season five, episode 10. It is the weekend of March 11th. We're getting a little early jump on today, so we get a Thursday bonus. We're posting this on Thursday night. Um, we I'm heading out to Florida for spring break. Spring break. I wish it was spring break when I was in college for spring training. <laughs> You're listening to Nationally Ranked Sports Podcast hosted by me, Jeff Baker. I am talking to you from Boston, Massachusetts, where it is 42 degrees. And tomorrow I will be in Fort Myers, Florida, where it's 90 degrees. Woo! Yay! Nice. <laughs> and I'm joined by my friend and co-host from Dallas, Texas, Mr. Drew Pelto. Hey, Drew. Hey, 60 degrees here. So we're kind of right in between those there. Yeah, yeah. You're in the comfort zone. Well, yeah. Drew, Drew has a great YouTube channel. Make sure you follow his, his videos on YouTube. He is under DFW Grapher. Make sure you check him out on all social media, including YouTube. Drew has written a great article in this week's Sports Collectors Daily. We're going to talk a little about that in Baker's Dozen. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out our Wednesday show, TTM Cast One on One. We had Lou Nanny from the Minnesota North Stars on, and he had a uh, really fun interview talking about his time in the NHL. He was a player and a GM and a coach, and it was uh, he loves signing autographs. So we talked to Lou this week. Next week we have Kanal Chopra. I'm going to get it right, Kanal Chopra. He is president of Beckett. He's been with Beckett for about a year, and we talked to Kyle about his ties one year at Beckett and all the cool things that are happening in Beckett, including their new uh, corporate headquarters and all sorts of other new new stuff, new acquisitions. They got a bunch, just got a bunch of funding. So we had a great interview with Kanal. That will be next Wednesday on TTM Cast One on One. I actually uh, got, I was at Target yesterday, and it was packed. Uh, I must have hit the restock because there was cards all over the place, Drew. Too bad I didn't need uh, the 2023 Series 1 because there was tons of blaster boxes there. Nice. Uh, but all sorts of cool stuff. Well, I picked up a box of Opeachy, and I picked up a, po- a box uh, keeping you going. I picked up a box of um, Prism Basketball, and oh, I good. picked up a box of um, Select Basketball. So all in all, pretty good. I uh, got some got some good cards. Nothing great, no autographs or anything, but it was still fun. And I got a I got uh, uh, three or four cool Bruins cards, so very happy with that. As I said, I'm heading out to spring training tomorrow. We're gonna go see the uh, Twins and Red Sox on Saturday, the Red Sox and Yankees on Sunday, and the Twins and Pirates on Monday. So we got three games. Uh, I know a lot of the guys are gone for the World Baseball Classic, but the most this is a lot, still a lot of guys there. Uh, are you going? Are you watching a little bit any of the World Baseball Classic? Does that interest you at all? I'll probably check out a little bit of it at least. You know, anytime there's a game on, I'll you know have it on in the background or whatever. So, yeah, probably will. Uh, what do you have for for the weekend? Things scheduled fun for this weekend? Um, not really. Got to just gonna kind of sit back, relax. Uh, 
kind of got to get caught up a little bit on the sorting some stuff here, get all my signed stuff I've gotten the last couple of weeks put into everything and maybe see if I can start getting going on uh, stuff for the season there. But yeah, we'll see what happens. I made a couple of uh, purchases this week, though. Got uh, the big one being from uh, Signatures for Soldiers that I was able to get the, uh, I mentioned this on Tuesday, kind of touched on a little bit on the uh, on uh, one-on-one. So I mentioned Mike Kekich and then I said, I'm going to have a little bit of news coming about him. And arriving today, I got his 72 Tops card that I bought from Signatures for Soldiers. They had a bunch of those signed, and so I was able to pick up one of those. Got a Pete Fairbanks and a Brad Keller for the 2021 Heritage set picked up. And a few purchases I've got coming in soon. I made a deal with Rich Mueller there at Sports Collectors Daily that I've got some signed 72s coming from him to help out my set. Uh, also got cool. a uh, yeah, got a, a Topps Tiffany Corey Snyder card, which I need just for my Snyder collection. So just made that, uh, just bought that one. It should have it coming in probably early next week. And picked up a, a Diamond King Steve Sachs that I need. I think it was the 87 set, if I remember right. I had his 1990 already. So got the 87, got that coming my way. Should be hopefully here maybe this weekend, early next week, something like that. So got a few additions coming in and more stuff we'll talk about in uh, the uh, once we get to our uh, successes for the week. Yeah, I picked up a fifty dollar eBay card yesterday too. So I got I got got my eye on a couple things, but I don't I I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, you know, because then someone will come in and swipe them on me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can't talk about it until after you've already hit purchase on it. Then you can That's then right. you can let it out. So we have a, a as I said, we have a great show for you this week. We have Lee Alexander, collector, who's a big hockey guy and a big boxing guy. Drew's friend, he is from Alabama. We talk collecting with him. We also talk to Les Wolf, Les Wolf about all sorts of cool stuff, including uh, dealing with auction houses and uh, by selling your stuff through auction houses, as well as what to do when you're planning your estate. So that's a really interesting uh, talk with Les. And then uh, I had uh, I just got off the the a call with the guys from the Bob Feller Act of Valor Award, uh, Pete Fertig, Fertig, who's the president, and Steve Curtis, who's the vice president. And we're going to be involved with the Bob Feller Act of Valor Award. So nice. uh, you can learn a little about that and, and how we're going to be involved. We're going to, I'm going to uh, help them with their podcast. And we're going to do some um, some uh, work with them and to help them raise money for scholarships. And uh, we're just going to, going, to, going to help out. We love helping out. So that's a great cause. So we're going to hear from them. But we also have uh, next week, we have Sean Smith, who is the biggest Mickey Rivers collector around on next Saturday and Les Wolf will be back as well. So we got to, well, well, even though I'm going away, we're not missing any shows this time. Right, Drew? Exactly. We got a, got a whole full slate here going on for the next That's few right. weeks. So what else we got today on today's show? Of course, we've got Baker's Dozen. We'll cover all the news from the previous week in the world of collectibles. Got a, like I said, we're going to be talking to the people from the Bob Feller Act Valor Award collector, Lee Alexander in Collector's Corner and Les Wolf in More with Less. And of course, we've got Making the Grade covering everything in the world of grading. The TTM cast stamp approval, where Jeff and I give our thumbs up to just about anything for the previous week. Could be could be food, could be a TV show, could be, yeah, you name it. It's whatever we feel like putting in there. We've got the Vern Rap Minute covering all the deaths in the world of sports, celebrity music, movies, politics, anybody that you might TTM, we've got them covered in there. And the main reason why you're here and why we're here, our TTM returns. And... We love to hear from you, right, Drew? That, that, Absolutely. That's one of our favorite things. Send us an email to dtmcast at yahoo.com. If you have any suggestions, if you want to be a guest in a show, we'd love to talk to collectors. If you want to come on to Collector's Corner, we'd love to have you. If you want to help out with the Bob Feller uh, Act of Valor Award, we have all sorts of things that you can help out with. So send us an email. Send it to dtmcast at yahoo.com. All right, Drew. I think we got it. I think we got all our introduction, all our housekeeping done. Let's get right into Baker's Dozen. 
Baker's Dozen, sponsored by SportsCollectorsDaily.com. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Baker's Dozen is a new summary of what's been going on in the hobby. I just want to remind everyone to check out my article on TTMing and autographs and, and Sports Collectors Daily. I usually post either Tuesday or Wednesday. I submitted my article for next week already. We also we also cover uh, what's going on in the show. Give you a summation of what's going on in the show just to uh, make sure you don't miss anything, right? And yep. Drew has a, a great article. He wrote a great article on the 10 most difficult uh, living autographs, right? That that, yep. that was the gist of it. So on Tuesday, we addressed uh, 10, 10 through, through 6, going backwards like the old David Letterman, yep. right? <laughs> so today we're going to go 5 through 1. So let, let, Drew, let's run down the list. Uh, All right. Number 5 is Randy Myers, former relief pitcher with the Cincinnati Reds, right? Was he with the Cincinnati Reds? Yeah, and most of it the Reds. Yeah, yeah. I think he went from the Mets to the Reds to the Padres. Yeah. Um, he was with the Cubs for a while, maybe a couple other teams in there. Right. He was with Norm Charlton. They they were the big they were the nasty boys. Right. So, yep. Yep. Surprisingly, because he was such a big self-promoter while, mm-hmm. you know, when he was playing, that he he isn't really a uh he's a tough autograph. Yeah, apparently uh he was accessible his first year in the league. He was fairly willing signer then. So it was back like what, 86, I want to say somewhere around there. But not long after that, he started uh, putting in a lot of rules about his signing. It suddenly was only uh, after he went to the Reds, it was only cards of the team that he was with at the time. So if he was with the Reds, he was only signing Reds cards. If he was with the Padres, it was only the Padres cards. Then it got down to only cards from that particular year. So if you're working on a set from 1990 and it's 1992, you're out of luck on that one. So, yeah, and I think I guess just after a while, he probably kind of got tired of explaining his rules and all that to everybody. And he just stopped signing. and. Ever since the end of his career, I think he's done maybe one or two signings. Usually whenever they have like a nasty boys reunion or something like that, he'll be, uh, he's done maybe one or two of those, but it's definitely not many. And yeah, you have to basically buy the entire package to be able to get him. So if you're getting him, you're getting everybody else too. Did you, do you have him? I don't. I also don't really have a need for him, fortunately. So nope. That's cool. And then our next guy, number four is Ricky Wright. Ricky Wright was a pitcher with the uh, Texas Rangers, right? Yeah, Rangers and uh, came up with the Dodgers, I think, originally. So uh, he was in the 83 Fleer set, then didn't have another card again until the 86 Tops Traded set came out, and then 87 Tops after that. And for the longest time, he would not sign the 87 Tops card at all for any reason. And eventually he said, okay, yeah, I'll sign for like a gigantic donation to uh, the uh, Little League in the town they lives in, in Paris, Texas. And eventually he kind of said that about every card. He just stopped signing, except if there was a major donation involved. And of what I've heard, there's been a few out there that have been bought up, including one that was, I believe, bought by Keith Olbermann several years ago, the uh, TV uh, journalist there, both in the sports and uh, news world there. He's a big card collector, always has been. He was actually even a photographer of some sets in the 70s and 80s. But uh, yeah, Olbermann bought one, and a lot of people are saying that one was not real at all. And there's even considerable, there we go, get that right eventually, considerable criticisms of the ones that have been slabbed by even third-party uh, graders saying that 
yeah, those uh, several of them may have gotten slabbed that aren't any good. I'm not an authenticator. I don't know. I don't really have an opinion one way or the other on that. And I've gotten a couple of people emailing me saying, oh, my God, is this one that I have good? And I'm like, comparing it to others, I'd say probably. And for the most part, I do trust PSA and all the third-party authentication companies. Yep. But still, I mean, there is that criticism out there that they may not be good. So, uh, yeah, Ricky Wright, very tough to get. If you want him, hope you've got hope you got an extra 500 bucks on you. Yeah, deep pockets, right? Yes. All right, number three is Steve Hovey. Steve Hovey was an outfielder with the Oakland A's back in the 70s, and he also was a member of the Brewers. And uh, or did he play with the Orioles? I'm not sure if he was an Oriole. I know he's with the Seattle Pilots there only. Seattle Pilots, right. Yep. And uh, he he uh, just, just kind of doesn't sign, right? He's just, uh, just, just one of those guys. Yeah, nobody really knows why either, but it's, he's the guy that everybody needs for a set from like the late 60s into the early 70s. I need him for 72. He's a high number there. I probably will never be able to get him. I did see somebody bought a 71 recently that uh, they showed off on Twitter. It's like, hey, that's pretty cool to be able to find that, but you really have to look around for Steve Hobley. Once in a while, you might be able to find like a cut auto of him or something like that, but it's incredibly rare. And I mean, he's still alive. He's, uh, people try to send to him all the time. They usually get their stuff back unsigned if they get it back at all. And yeah, I mean, after his baseball career, he just stopped signing entirely. I mean, he was he was always known to be a little bit of an oddball. He was supposedly he was known for a reading Friedrich Nietzsche while he was sitting on the bench during games. And uh, anytime that he would go on a road trip with a team, most of the guys, you know, out enjoying the nightlife and, uh, Love the nightlife, love, love to boogie, and he was all about going to an art museum or something. So, <laughs> kind of an oddball in the baseball world, but uh, yeah, he just, I mean, he doesn't have any interest in signing at all, it seems. Okay, number two, Doyle Alexander, who was a great pitcher for the uh, Tigers and, and the Braves, I believe, right? And he was, he was for a bunch of, t- uh, a few teams, Orioles, I think he started up with the Orioles. Yep, um, yep. Just another one of those guys, quirky guys that doesn't like to sign, right? Yeah, Orioles, Angels, Rangers. God, he yeah, he bounced around all over the place. But of course, you know, he was best known for being who the uh, Tigers traded John Smoltz to get in the uh, '87 playoffs. Right, but so, he uh, went, he went like nine and one or something with them, right? He had a- yeah, it was like it was, yeah, like nine and one, twelve and one, some crazy stretch like that. I mean, they got what they needed out of him. He got them into the '87 playoffs. They uh, didn't make it, obviously. You know, they end up losing out to the Twins in there, but uh, so it didn't make it to the World Series or anything. But he got what they needed there. So. Uh, but yeah, he was apparently he was a fairly willing signer as a player. He didn't really seem to like doing it, but he would do it at least. So you can find stuff on the secondary market. But ever since the end of his career, he just has not responded to very many TTMs at all. Uh, he hasn't done any shows or anything like that. He used to do some Rangers alumni events, but I haven't seen him on the list for those since about 2007 or so. And even before 2007, I think he was only on the list for like their uh, golf outing or something like that. So you never saw him at any events like that. and. Uh, He's been offered by several people to do uh, signings and he turns it down every time saying, no, nah, I just, I, I don't need the money. I don't really have any interest in it all. And uh, Troy Rudder did get him back by mail about uh, maybe a year or two ago. And it's like, how, how did you pull that one off, dude? Because that is amazing to be able to try that. So I tried it myself here recently. We'll see if I get anything back, but I don't think I'm going to get much more than a slightly lighter wallet out of it. Yeah, Troy's kind of a magician somehow. He he, yeah. he does pull those out of his hat. And then lastly, I remember reading a story about this guy, Byron McLaughlin, who was a pitcher oh, with yeah. Seattle back in the late 70s. And he uh, had ran in trouble with the law, right? Didn't he? He, he had big trouble with the law, but he was in hiding and just kind of a, a strange guy. 
Yeah, that's I tried to recap the story as best I could in my article there. And uh, there's a link to the Sports Illustrated article from a couple of years ago on him. But yeah, I mean, he had some uh, he had some problems with drugs late in his career. I mean, he didn't have very long of a career. He was around from the kind of late 70s into about the mid 80s. I think it was 84 with the Angels is when he got uh, got arrested for drug possession. And according to everything, he wasn't doing them. He was only selling the drugs. So, oh, hey, so much better there. But yeah, yeah that's, that's much better. Corrupt everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, he was selling drugs and got uh, pinched for that. And then uh, not long after that, with some of his connections that he had made, he started dealing in counterfeit footwear. Because, you know, in the 80s when Air Jordans are huge and all the big footwear companies were, you know, making these huge uh, jumps and strides in, uh, I mean, in, the, in their popularity and everything. And so he started getting involved in counterfeiting and importing and exporting counterfeit goods between Mexico, the U.S., and South Korea. Well, eventually he got pinched on that. And uh, he pled guilty, I believe, to like tax evasion or something like that to uh, that was or money laundering, I think it was. But that was where they first got him. And it's like they're gonna to, probably going to try to kind of work their way up from there. But they got him on that. He pled guilty. And when he was supposed to be sentenced, he jumped bail and fled the country, bounced around all over the place. The last credible, uh, the last credible sighting of him was in Thailand in 2013. A former associate of his believes he might have been in Mexico in 2017, and most of his time has been in France because uh, they don't have an extradition deal on on his particular crimes at all. And he, because he is a technically a French citizen because he's married to a French woman, they won't uh, deport a citizen at all for something that's you know not a crime in their country. So he's living pretty comfortably in France, it seems like, and you know be able to kind of sneak around a little bit here and there, but. Yeah, he's been on the run since I think it was 1991 is when they finally got him there. So that's, uh, you know, that's what, 32 years now that he's been on the run. Yeah, you're not getting by McLaughlin's autograph. <laughs> yeah, so if you're doing the 78, 79, or 84 top sets, well, good luck to you there because you're not getting those ones. And that's another one where uh, Dave Cameron, who is kind of an expert on tracking down some real tough guys, actually tracked down McLaughlin before he went on the run and got about like five or six of those uh, 84 tops cards signed. He doesn't have any more of them at all. He's, you know, dealt them off to other collectors and everything. But he says that a lot of the ones you find slabbed out there aren't even close to yeah. what he got in person. Interesting. Guys, make sure you check out Drew's article. It's in Sports Collectors Daily. It's right there at the top of the site. I think it's the second link now. Uh, make sure you check it out for all 10 of uh, guys Drew uh, focuses on. Great article, Drew. Thank you. Thanks. Well, we have some numbers, some cool numbers from eBay. eBay sales of WNBA stuff is up 700% over the last five years. I don't see me getting involved in the WNBA. Uh, I, how about you, Drew? You, do you buy them for the, for the autographs to send OTTMs? I haven't yet. I've, the only ones I've done, I've bought a few secondary market ones on like some of the Hall of Famers. Katie Smith is in uh, one of the sets there, and she's a Hall of Famer, went to Ohio State, probably their greatest player in history. Um, I think Dawn Staley has a card in there. She's a very willing TTM signer. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, there haven't really been any nationally released WNBA cards here until the last few years when Panini started to get in on it there. Not since at least like maybe the late 90s, early 2000s, when uh, like Pinnacle was making some of the first few years of WNBA. Kind of fell off after that. Now it's picked up again. So cool to see it, though. I mean, it's always good to branch out into other, other untapped markets, basically, like the WNBA. Yeah, we have some... Uh... I don't know auction results. That's right, auction results. I'm I'm having a tough time getting in the, getting my words out today, Drew. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about a little this on our our Wednesday show, but Heritage has some numbers on on some Hank Aaron stuff. Yeah, 1961 All Star Game bat. I mean, that's that's kind of a cool piece right there. 
It sold in August of 2020 for $39,600. Well, whoever invested in that made a real smart one because that just sold for $264,000. That is a six-fold increase. I think more than six-fold, almost seven-fold increase there on that uh, on that particular piece. Very cool. Also, uh, PSA 10, 1968, Aaron, in the Heritage Auction, went for $174,000. That's pretty cool. Their two-night auction generated $22.3 million in sales. So, guys, there's a lot of money still out there and all this these high-end uh, stuff. Heritage always puts out a, a great auction if you want to check out what they've got going on currently. Just go to uh, ha.com. Uh, Drew, I just, got a, I just got off the phone with... Um, the president and vice president of the Bob Feller uh, Active Valor Awards. And we're going to be involved with them uh, through the whole year. We're going to help them out, help them out on their podcast, help them out um, generating, get some um, autographs to uh, sell uh, at their um, award ceremony. And I spoke with Peter Fertig and Steve Curtis. So uh, please enjoy my interview with the, with the guys about the Bob Feller Act of Valor Award. All right, guys, we have a very special guest today. We have Peter Furtick, who is president of the Bob Feller Active Valor Award, and Command Sergeant Major Steve Curtis, who's in charge of education, Director of Education. Is that your official title, Steve? Yes, and I'm also the vice president of the foundation. And the vice president of the foundation. We are talking, of course, talking about the Bob Bob Feller Active Valor Award. We are. I am going to be helping out, working on the podcast with these guys, and we're going to be working, uh, helping raise the money for the the charity and the the uh, award. And I thought it would be a good idea to bring Peter and Steve on to tell us a little about the award, how it came about, and, and uh, we learn a little more about it because we're going to be hearing from them all during the year. So, Peter, why don't you tell us a little about the uh, the mission of the award and how uh, you got involved with the award? Well, thank you, Jeff. Um, I really appreciate you having Steve and myself on. Uh, it's uh, it's an honor and a privilege. We've uh, we've been going at this now for eleven years, uh, and we've uh, we've enjoyed every moment of it. It hasn't always been easy, but we we absolutely enjoy it. The foundation started uh, again about eleven years ago, uh, and it was based off of a children's book that I had written that Bob Feller was kind enough to do the introduction for. Uh, he did the introduction, Tom Seaver did the forward, and Cal Ripken actually did the final thoughts. I was very happy with it. It's a book, 15-minute read on good and evil and right and wrong and temptation and deception for, for young people. And I thought I was done. And as a thank you to Bob Feller, when he had passed away, I reached out to his wife, Anne, saying, I got this idea in my head, but I'd like your support. I'd like to honor Bob Feller for his life. Uh, as a as a, as someone who served uh, and served our country not only honorably but was the first World War II Hall of Famer that stepped out of his comfort zone to uh, to serve during World War II. Now that might seem very strange to a lot of people, but could you imagine being a 23 year old kid who was a phenom at the time, stepped away from the game because of the importance of our country during World War II? I found that fascinating and I found it very upsetting that I didn't know uh, enough about him. And then as we go on and start building the foundation, the infrastructure and everything, Steve came aboard, has been my right-hand man from the beginning. Uh, I've known Steve now for 10 years. Uh, he's been in charge. We've been working our educational 
component of what we're doing to help tell the story. And not only was Bob Feller uh, an important component, but so was Yogi Berra, D-Day, Warren Spahn at the Battle of the Bulge, Nestor Chilak. You know who Nestor is, Jeff? Oh, sure, the umpire. That's right. Well, you'd get a you'd get a silver pin. When <laughs> we 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 didn't, you know, when we did the research on all of these Hall of Famers, Nestor won the Silver Star. He also won the Purple Heart. He uh, was an incredible, um, an incredible, uh, not just umpire, right? These are all Hall of Fame members, but he became uh, a staple for umpires and and what he did in terms of service to our country, but he wasn't alone. You have Ted Williams and Bobby Dewar from you folks up North of yep. Yankee land. Uh, I, I apologize for all your Red Sox fans, but yes, <laughs> we have a lot of fun with that up here. Uh, it's all tongue in cheek. We care deeply about our country first, but we poke fun at each other. Steve will make fun of me from Red Sox nation. No matter where he is, he keeps bringing up 2005 just for, Sorry, 2004. Just yeah, 2004. Yes, yeah. thank you. That just it, and my eyes still burn with the celebration of the Red Sox and Yankee Stadium. That my pain that will never go away. <laughs> so thank you for that. Much appreciated. But yeah, aside from the game itself, you have tremendous, tremendous heroes that are not talked about. It was incumbent upon our small foundation to go out and tell the story of these 39 Hall of Famers that served honorably during World War II, led by Bob Feller. Steve does an incredible job, and I'll let him discuss the podcast that he does, the educational display unit that we have, the way we give scholarships tying into uh, our runs and walks for military suicide. So there's a lot that we do. We think baseball brings everybody under the tent, and now that they're there, we can tell the, the fans what a great, incredible story that these 39 did. Along yeah, I mean, with the, the, right. The, the game of baseball, obviously, is, is very much an American game. And, uh, you know, especially during World War II and in the Korean War, uh, a lot of great players took time out of their career to, to serve the military. And, and Bob Feller, obviously, uh, joined the Navy at the age of 23. And, and while he was still in, in peak performing, right, he was he, him and Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio, a lot of these guys were, were uh, Hank Greenberg. Greenberg. You had you have Warren Spahn, you have Yogi Adide, you have Buck O'Neill, you have Jackie Robinson, you have Pee Wee Reese, Stan Musial. Go down the list. They were there. They served. But they weren't the only ones. You go into Korea, you go into Vietnam, you got Tom Seaver, who was a Marine, you got Johnny Bench, who served in the army. These guys understand what it is to serve. And that's what we're trying to honor. It's a little more difficult these days, but then you get guys like Randy Johnson, who was at our event in 2019, who didn't serve, but is a tremendous supporter of our foundation and our country, right? He did incredible work with our military. And that's what we're looking for. Even if I didn't serve, Steve is the hero here, right? But we try to honor Steve's service along with Bob Feller and everybody else, uh, Ted Williams as well, right? Right. And a guy uh, like a guy like Kurt Schilling, who who's uh, has been behind veterans, and I know that absolutely, yes. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, what what gets somebody like Mr. Schilling 
uh, a little bit in, in hot water is, you know, he has a tendency to become political. We're an apolitical organization. I don't care if you lean left. I don't care if you lean right. When you step under our tent, we run down the middle. Right. right. And, that's and one, what of the, one of the nice things that you guys do, Peter, is that in addition to honoring Hall of Famers and, and just going down the list of Hall of Famers that you've recognized from 2013 to 2022 includes Barra Lasorda, George Brett, Rod Carew, Tom Seaver, Johnny Bench, Randy Johnson, Brooks Robinson Jr., uh, Joe Torrey and Trevor Hoffman. What, what a list. And then also current Major League Baseball players, also um, people that are in the, the service currently in the Marines and the Navy. And uh, it, it's just great to recognize their co uh, contributions to the country, right? Which is what, what we're doing. But Steve, yeah. how do you guys, guys do about, go about doing that? How, how are you uh, promoting these people and how are you promoting the award? Well, first of all, we failed to mention about Jerry Coleman. Jerry Coleman won, even though he was not. I, I was going to mention him, but he's a Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> what a tough crowd. Even though tough he wasn't crowd. a Hall of Famer, Famer, we selected him just because, you know, he served in combat both in World War II and Korea as a uh, fighter pilot and really distinguished Korea. That's why we chose him to represent our Marine Corps. <laughs> or Jerry Coleman Award for his service. We considered Ted Williams as well, but you know, Jerry Coleman actually served in combat where Ted Williams did in Korea, not in World War II. But, right. Um, so, you know, that that's why we had chosen him. But as far as uh, how do we promote the, uh, uh, we look and see, you know, what each, each team has the ability to uh, nominate a player that they feel goes above and beyond in support of the military. And we get those nominees. And we also do our own homework. We've us actually nominated other players that sometimes apply, uh, clubs do not do the homework. And if we know somebody does do a lot, we nominate him as well. And then we try to do a on-field ceremony uh, to present the nomination award. And then at the, uh, before our annual event in November, we as board members vote, uh, we have a, uh, a system that uh, we all have a vote of who like first, second, third and so forth mm -hmm. down the line. And then that's how we select the person that uh, we feel should get the uh, award. And I mean, it doesn't matter if they're a Mike Trout or, or a Griffin Jacks, you know, it's not as popular. We go by what they do to the military. We, we, we don't go by the name. We go by what they actually do for the, for the military. As in the Hall, of Fame, cool. <clears throat> the Hall of Fame, is we do a, I do a lot of the uh, research myself on the Hall of Famers and uh, we try to, like, for instance, a lot of people don't even know that Norman Ryan actually served in uh, reserves. And we and Rod Carew was a Marine Corps reservist, and we honored him. Uh, and we lean heavily on their own service, but somebody like Randy Johnson, which could not not uh, award him just because he, he's made many, many tri USO trips and stuff. So he, although he did not serve, we selected him just because his tremendous work so uh as board members us we we have a vote and we go 
uh, one through 10, or depending on how many's on the nominee list. And then we select that person and honor them at, at our annual event. And we try to, uh, at the same time, uh, the organization, you know, we give out scholarships and support the military in that in that way as well. Yeah, that's see, that's what I was going to say. Is one of the the things that really drew me to you guys is that you've uh, given away over thirty five thousand dollars worth of scholarships to military families, which is a, an outstanding way to give back. Uh, you know, to to help young people. Uh, get earn money to college which is great and you earn money through uh different walks and run for life and uh, uh auctions and other stuff correct yes and uh we not only uh our, our vision is not only scholarships but the uh to recognize the uh uh military or veteran suicide uh 20 the that's where we come up with the run for life in the, uh in the walk for valor it's a 22 mile road march type. And that's where the walk is. And then we have a 5K run for life. But we also have Mission Roll Call who we support, who they have a voice in Cap on Capitol Hill. And we focus entirely on what, uh, it's Cole Lyle. And he, he's the one that founded the Mission Roll Call. And he has a voice at Capitol Hill to uh, on veteran causes and especially veteran suicide, which is, is kind of what we're focused on at this point. And we support that organization with with the uh, money that we raise through that Run for Life and Walk the Ballot. We not only give out uh, six $2,000 scholarships, that's what we've done the last couple of years, but we also give money towards the Mission Roll Call organization for uh, veteran suicide. Well, Steve and Peter, my, my running days are behind me, but I can certainly, I'm looking forward to helping out on the podcast. Why don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit, I know you have a monthly podcast, why don't you tell uh, my listeners about the monthly podcast and, and uh, you know, how, what do you see going forward to, so we can help uh, improve the podcast and, and help promote the award? Well, is we have interns that actually do it. We've done that, uh, how many years ago, Peter? You remember it's at least six now steve yeah and uh we come a long ways believe me <laughs> uh, peter was the first i was the second and we did it by phone and uh the interns said it but they've done it tremendously. i'd like to bury mine just for the record just for the record. <laughs> yeah i don't you, peter you don't want to go back and listen to my first couple shows either i i want to bury my first couple yeah. shows as well yeah. yeah so anyway but we have interns that, that do it and they do a tremendous job i mean they, they, I manage. That's the, not uh, fair. They do an incredible job, yeah, Steve. You, you do a great job leading them. But in all fairness, you got young people that come in here. You talk about coming out of your comfort zone. They come at totally out. Steve leads them, sets up the meetings, but then they they, they run with it and 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 interview and do the research and and figure out the questions that they're going to ask and get the guests comfortable, like you do, Jeff. You know, and it's a shame that you're a Red Sox fan. You can come down. To <laughs> Don't hold it against me. Don't hold it against me, my friend. <laughs> but uh, but uh, Steve, I'll let you continue on that. But uh, if you're lucky, we try to focus on uh, the military side of it. Uh, like, but we've had like uh, some uh, recipients of the award. We've had Johnny Banchon. We've had Tommy Lasorda. Uh, what he felt. I mean, if, if you really want an inspiring interview, just look at our. Go back to uh, Tommy Lasorda. You can tell 
just with with his interview how much he he loved this country and that's one of my favorite ones but we've had some uh and we try to uh uh one of our board members is actually an uh a former astronaut and uh, we've had him on cj loria and we've had uh we try to focus on those that served in the military as well as as uh in, uh, in baseball itself so we've had some pretty uh prominent yeah uh, i'm gonna steve and peter i'm gonna help out mess as much as i can the best i can thank and, you. and help out with the podcast i'm really looking forward to uh helping out uh guys listeners check out it's the act of valor award.org you go check it out learn all about it if you have any questions you can email me at ttmcast at yahoo.com and if you're interested in helping out you don't have to you know you don't have to donate a thousand dollars you can help out with your time you can uh help out uh getting yeah, autographs we're always looking to get autographs to, to, you, Jeff. to give point. away right yeah or that's raffle, a great point raffle you, off we 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 need pictures and baseballs and stuff to people to sign and and anything that we can do to help out. If you want to help out, uh, just go to activevaloraward.org or you can email me at ttmcast at yahoo.com and I'll certainly get you involved one way or the other to help out. It's a great cause. The money that is raised, as we said, goes towards the uh, military families in the scholarships. It also goes to uh, suicide prevention for uh, uh, veterans and uh, all other veterans-related awards. Uh, we're going to talk we're going to deal with signatures for soldiers as well and, and get these two uh, great um, sort of charities together. And I'm sure they're going to be doing stuff together. And it's just really a great charity. We're going to be, uh, Drew and I are going to be behind this uh, all year. So we're going to be, we'll be talking about it all year. Uh, I've talked, guys, I've talked to my co host, Drew Pelto. He's going to help out as well. So we get, we're going to, we're going to get TTM Cast is behind you guys 100%. Listeners, go check it out, activevaloraward.org. Please send me an email if you want to get involved. We'll get you involved. The, you know, Caleb, uh, uh, all the, my all, all my listeners, the guys that helped out with uh, the Lampila family. We got all sorts of stuff to help out uh, veterans and, and the families and earn money for uh, scholarships and all sorts of cool stuff. These guys uh, are tireless workers, and we're going to help them out uh, the best we can. So we're looking yes. forward to to a, a nice marriage between the, the the two podcasts, you know. Thank you, Great. Jeff. And if I could just reiterate one thing, if it's okay, because sure, we took a major we took a major leap forward uh, with Major League Baseball and the Boys and Girls Club. So we're gonna be Steve created a a, a template, for lack of a better term, um, you know, where we can have the Boys and Girls Clubs and educate them on the thirty nine, and that's our next major step. So we might be coming to a city near you, whether you're starting in Cleveland or we're out in Boston or New York or Philly or wherever. Um, you know, this is going to be something to your point, Jeff. We're going to need volunteers and people that want to help. Again, it doesn't have to be money, but absolutely time and whatever you can give, a, uh, we would really appreciate it. So thank you for the opportunity to say hello. Yeah, guys, yeah. just reach, reach. When I say guys, listeners, reach out to me at ttmcast.yahoo.com and I'll put you, I'll, I'll put you in the right direction. I can, you can uh, give me a call or I'll, I can talk to you about it. And we'll, we'll definitely uh, find a place for you. It's a, it's a great organization and uh, it's nice to couple the things that we have passion for in baseball and collecting autographs and cards and sports memorabilia uh, with a, a great cause. So I really highly recommend it. And 
please we'll go you know i'll let you know when our podcasts are up so you can you can hear our podcast the the uh active valor foundation podcast that's going to be a monthly podcast and there's all sorts of things going on they have new they have a set of cards you guys have custom cards that you're you're creating right yes 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 of the 39 all famous plus jerry coleman with instead of baseball facts on the back they're going to have the military uh information on the back so they're going to be some pretty uh, unique cards yep so maybe you guys you guys check that out go go to go to their website the website is like let me get it again it is actofvalorward.org check that out and uh you know we'll keep we'll keep you uh posted on what's going on and, and guys i thank you for your time today and we look forward to thank you jeff uh, a yeah. great year and they thank also you for what you do yeah and they also pre-order those cards jeff too right now if they want to go on we'll okay great yep you can go to uh, activevalorward.org and uh, pre-order those cards so they're, they're, kind, they're very nice looking cards you can see what they look like on on the site so I'm going to get a two for one because every time I sign off, Jeff, I always say to Steve, go Yanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, 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 Peter. What was the score of the game today? Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't catch the <laughs> oh, game. Yeah, wait, I'm breaking up. I'm breaking up. <laughs> Steve, we got him today. Yeah, we got uh, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Congratulations. I love the game. It brings out the best in us as, as people, but. The truth of the matter is, is that those who serve put on a, a stronger uniform to help our country so that we can have these conversations with, and poke fun at one another. But it, it's it's wonderful. So thank you, Jeff. You're welcome, Peter. We'll, we'll have you on uh, soon when we get close to getting the nominations in and, uh, you know, keep, keep us informed of where you guys are going to be, because I'll let my listeners know what parks you guys are going to be at. And, and hopefully we can get some of my listeners involved as some type of volunteer or helping out uh, getting autographs to 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 uh, raffle off. And the guys is a big event in Washington, D.C., where they make the where, that they present the award. It's in November uh, at the November Navy. 15th. Yeah. November Love 15th. to have you. Yeah. Love to have you, Jeff. Oh, I'll Love be there. Great. Me and my wife yeah, are definitely going to be there. He's That's coming. great. Him and his wife. You, once you experience it, and, and what's also nice, Jeff, is what we try to do for our recipients, and we'll include you with this, is we're going to give you a tour of Pentagon, uh, and then we'll have you that night do go through our award ceremony, and then the following day, we give you a personal tour of the U.S. Capitol. Um, so it's we we call it the great american experience because that's exactly what it is and we're thrilled that you're going to be able to join us on uh the 15th of november so looking forward to saying hello yeah i am too we are my, my wife and i were talking about it yesterday she's like make sure we get we, we're, we're at this thing <laughs> steve yeah. met steve met my wife my wife's very much behind this yes. it's so yes. wonderful wonderful it's, it's a great time we're looking forward to it all right gentlemen thank, thank you. you you guys have a, a great night right. and, and we will be in touch okay okay Thanks, sounds guys. good thank you good night take care now bye bye, -bye. take care go, good. go red Sox. there you go <laughs> go red Sox. <laughs> see you guys later bye, bye, -bye. Well, Drew, I'm really looking forward to uh, working with these guys. And, uh, you know, we do a lot. We do do some work with, with signatures to soldiers. And it's just another great cause to help out some veterans causes, including earning money for uh, charity, uh, for, for scholarships. You can go to actofvalorwood.org to learn more. Or if you want to get involved, just send us an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com. 
and we'll get you involved one way to, to help them out. Uh, we're also we're also going to be looking for uh, pictures and cards and, and unsigned balls and that kind of stuff so that we can send off to Hall of Famers and to people to to get their autographs so we we can sell off some stuff and and earn some money for the award. So uh, stick stick around for that. And it was great to talk to those guys. Drew, we have some, a lot of new releases this week. A lot of new releases this week. Yeah. Uh, Bowman's Baseball Best came out. It's four cards, 12 packs, two autographs. A hobby box goes for about $330. That's Bowman's Baseball Best. It's 2022. Uh, four cards, 12 packs, two autos for $330. Bucks. Donruss Basketball has hit the shelves. We talked about that a little bit on Tuesday. We finally have a price for you on that. 30 cards, 10 packs per box, or 30 cards per pack, 10 packs per box, 300 cards total. $285 the price tag on a hobby box. That's a little high for you. You can check out the Blasters, 15 cards per pack, six packs per box, $55 on that one. We have a high-end release from Panini, the 2022 Panini Immaculate Football. You get six cards in one pack. It's also to autographs and memorabilia in it. Those go for about $1,000. It's the 2022 Panini Immaculate Football for the low, low price of about $1,000 for, for six cards. If you're uh, looking for some hockey stuff from a little bit of a delayed release here, SP Signature Edition Hockey is uh, hitting the shelves. It's from the 2020-2021 season there. So they're a little behind on that one over there at Upper Deck, but Signature Edition Legends Hockey from SP. Five cards per pack, 18 packs per box, $245 is your price point. The 2021-22, a little more update, Upper Deck Allure Hockey. I think I saw these on uh, the shelf yesterday at Target. They are eight cards, eight packs. You get one autograph. They go for about $165 for a hobby box. That's 2021-22 Upper Deck Allure Hockey. They're really nice looking cards. Eight cards, eight packs, one autograph for $165. All those just got released this week. So those are all a lot of new releases this week. Drew, we have a few shows to let everyone know about. Next weekend, the Northeast Sports Collectible Expo in Quincy, Massachusetts, March 18th and 19th. They have all sorts of New England and Boston-related guys signing, including uh, Jeff Reardon and Scott Zolak, uh, Jerome Rain Wiggins, Bobby Carpenter from the Bruins, Tito Santana, the wrestler. There's a $10 entrance fee. The show is the 18th and 19th at the Marriott, Boston, Quincy. Make sure you check it out, the Northeast Sports Collectible Expo. Got the uh, CSA show, the Chantilly show coming up March 31st through April 2nd, a little less than a month away, but they've got a real nice grouping of signers there. Wide receivers Devontae Adams and Jamar Chase both are going to be there. Hall of Famer John Hanna and Hall of Famer Marshall Falk, both guests there as well. CSAshows.com is the place to go to check that out, and I checked and they are accepting mail-ins on that as well. All right, I might have got, got hoodwinked on this one, but did Devontae Adams get traded today? I don't know. I haven't been paying super close attention at all to any, all right. So uh, any I deals today. Don't, don't. This is not. This is not. Uh, don't put this down as it definitely happened. But I saw on TikTok that Devontae Adams got traded to the New Orleans Saints for Kamara and some draft picks. So I'm I looking this up right happened. now. Hold on, I'm looking this up right I, now. I don't know if that happened or not. Maybe I got hoodwinked on that one because I'm a sucker and I believe everything everything I see. <laughs> I'm not seeing anything about that. It still says everywhere Devonte Adams. Okay, uh, Raiders so, but that happened so. that with the Russell Wilson. I saw the Russell Wilson trade one time in the last mm -hmm. year, and I didn't see it for like three weeks, and then all of a sudden it it, it appeared. I saw it one day on on TikTok, and then I didn't see it for like three weeks, and then it, it happened. So. 
I don't know if it happened or not. It'd be a good trade, Devontae Adams for uh, uh, Kamara and some draft picks. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So we'll see, but Devontae Adams will be there signing. All right, one more show. The Mint Collective is March 30th to April 2nd at the MGM in Las Vegas. It is a uh, great industry conference as well as a show. Uh, check out themintcollective.com. It is March 30th through April 2nd, and uh, it is. I know they're sold out for vendors, so it, it was. it's the second year of the show, and uh, it's really a cool show. We had Ezra Levine from Collectible, CEO from Collectible on, and uh, they're one of the sponsors of the show. So if you want to listen to my interview with Ezra last week, you can learn more about it, but it's the Mint Collective, March 30th through April 2nd. Well, Drew, that wraps up Baker's Dozen. Nice. Lot, to, lot to talk about in such a short time, you know? Really cool. Um, hey, um, we got, I spoke with Les Wolf, and Les Wolf is always great, right? I love more with Les. Um, and this was, a, I think this is one of our best interviews with Les in terms of the subject matter and his forthcomingness. And we talked to Les about um, dealing with autograph, uh, with um, auction companies. Like, you know, you have something you want to sell that, that doesn't necessarily have to be high end and you want to consign it to the auto, uh, auction companies. We talked about that. We also, he also broaches the subject of, you know, what do you do when you get older and you want to sell your collection, but you know, how do you, how do you sell it? How, who's, what's the best way to uh, sell it and, and uh, catalog and inventory and all that. So we talked to Les about that. So uh, please enjoy my uh, conversation with Les Wolf, who who has uh, been selling cards and collecting autographs for over 60 years. And he really, br- he really brings the heat on this one. So just enjoy my interview with Les Wolf. And now it's time for more from Les with hobby legend, Les Wolf. Collecting trading cards can be expensive, but grading doesn't have to be. You can now grade your cards for as low as $12 a card with CSG. Get your sports cards in the industry's best and clearest holders. CSG also offers amazing customer service, fast turnaround times, and accurate, consistent grading. Plus, get access to the CSG registry and compete against other collectors for the best collections. Go to csgcards.com to start protecting your personal collection today. Save $10 off a yearly membership to CSG with code TTMCAST. Get your favorite cards into the industry's best holder for even less. Save $10 off your membership with code TTMCAST at csgcards.com. All right, guys, it's time to hear from the expert. I'm talking about Les Wolf with more from Les. Les Wolf is from leswolfsportsllc.com. Make sure you check out his website with all his cool stuff that he sells. He also has a eBay store, autographs with a Z, right, Les? Sports autographs. Sports autographs with a Z. Make sure you check. A-U-T-O-G-R-A-P-H-Z. Make sure you check that out. We're also looking for questions for Les. If you have any questions for Les, send it to me at ttmcast at yahoo.com. Les Wolf, welcome. Welcome, Mr. Baker, the touchdown maker. Les, you know what? You, I, I, this is classes in session today, okay, my friend? You are the teacher. I, I, I am your, your, your class. And one thing that really interests me that, that you do, you've been doing for a while, and uh, I'm not really sure how to get into it, and, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners aren't either, and that I'm talking about um, dealing with auction house and sending your items to auction houses and how you determine what you send to them and what needs to be done to send to them and 
uh, payment and all that kind of pluses and minuses of dealing with auction houses and and some of the auction houses you you dealt with. So uh, I'm going to hand it over to you, and, and if you could school us on that, I'd really appreciate it. Well, first things first, um, you you know, as far as your collection, you got to inventory it. You got to catalog it and everything. This way, you have an idea of what you have. When you say inventory, it really just having a spreadsheet and, and lift listing. What do you what, yeah. what should you include? The description of the item, the the number of the card or whatever. Well, the let, let, let's say, for example, you have five hundred signed eight by ten photos. Yeah. Just put Hank Aaron, uh, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, uh, Jeff Baker, Les Wolf. Just list all the names in there and how many you have of each. Do you put do you put if they're personalized or if, if there's an if inscription or what how yeah, you what I, you know what they're signed you in? A, you could put a P on that. If you have it authenticated, put that in there also. Uh that that's the first thing, you know, and I tell people when they want to sell me a collection, you have to do it that way. And you want to give it to an auction house, they want to get a better idea what what you uh what you have. And what I'm finding, which is interesting with a lot of auction houses now is that they have minimums. They want a lot that it's a minimum of $1,000, $2,000 before they even touch it. So if, you, if you're going to put 500 8x10s together, that should be at least $1,000 as a minimum there. But the other thing is when you're putting stuff together, remember that auction houses 90% of the time or more are not going to let you put a minimum bid on that. So you're going to have to let it fly. You're going to have to be able to accept what it's going to go for. And what auction houses do allow you to do a minimum bid, and and, and what oh, type of items will they? It, it would depend if you have a Babe Ruth game used bat, you know that you can put a minimum bid or a Mike Trout rookie PSA ten, you know something like that. They put a, you know, let you put a, a minimum on that, but you also got to be careful when you put minimums on because sometimes you may say, okay, I looked it up and it's worth one million dollars. If you put a million dollar on it as a minimum. There's a nine, there's a very good percentage that it will not sell. The last thing an auction house wants, as well as you, the consigner, is something not to sell. So you got to put stuff at minimum, you know, at reasonable minimum bids. Do you? Is it your responsibility to uh, promote the item on their on their auction, or that's the auction house's responsibility, or is it kind of a dual well, responsibility? The, the auction house, you know, it, it's their responsibility, but it never hurts if you you know send it out to a few friends and clients and customers, and you put it on social media, and that never hurts. Now, will they will they accept items that haven't been graded or authenticated and and, and authenticated themselves and pay for that fee? What they will do is, let's say, for an autograph collection, you know, they will they will pay for the authentication, and ninety percent, almost all the time, they will charge that off of the proceeds that it sells for. Let's say that thousand, that five hundred photos, same example, sells for five thousand dollars, and they put a, they did an auction letter to cost them two hundred dollars, so they'll take that out of the proceeds. How do you choose which auction house? Are there better auction houses to work with? Uh, you know, I know there's Golden out there and uh, you know, Heritage. Heritage and um, it all depends. I I really have to say on what the item is because you know you just got to do a little research to which item does best in which auction. You know, right now the newer cards seem to be you know the newer rarer cards seem to be doing good in almost all the auctions. 
So rather than single out one as better than the other, you, you know, you got to do it that way. But I, I find the newer cards, I think, sell best right now in Golden. Do you reach do you reach out to the auction house and get a a person that's that, that that's your your point person so to speak that you work with yes. uh, for yes. every auction? Yes. Um for for each particular auction, yes. So if someone has something they want to give to an auction, give me a call, I'll, you know, I'll help them to evaluate it and I'll and I'll try to figure out which auction company they should go with. Because that's important. I mean, if you give someone um for example, that 500 photos and that, and they don't sell photos normally, they only sell cards. You're going to, you're not going to do well in that. But if you sell it, give it to a company that likes to sell a lot of photos, then yeah, you'll do very well in that. So, you know, I, I, I research it and I send out stuff to different auctions and, and I watch my results. So, and, and I kind of know which auction is good and which one isn't, you know, smaller auction houses will take lesser stuff from you. But you want to try to get your better stuff into the auctions, or you want to lot it together. Like in your particular instance, you have you probably have what ten thousand signed baseball cards. Probably, cards. yeah. <laughs> you know, card cards. I would lot them together. You know, I would figure that out. I just had a guy call me with uh, six hundred signed baseball cards, all he's just been getting through the mail for the last five years, and he didn't have a list. And we went over some of the stuff, and I said, "What are you looking for?" He says. Well, I got six hundred. I like to get six thousand dollars for it. I said, I got to tell you quite honestly, you'd be lucky if you get a dollar or two for those. You know, even if there's some of them are older, they're not the easiest thing to sell. And there's no, there's no auction house that you're going to do well with that because that's common stuff. So you, you know, but your your stuff you've been collecting how many years, Jeff? I don't know, 50, 40 years. <laughs> okay, well, chances are fifty years. Some of those older cars are the deceased. Hall of Famers or certain uh, guys that didn't that only answered their mail a short period of time, those will be more valuable. So ten thousand cards you should get probably realistic estimate ten to twenty thousand dollars at minimum, you know. But they'd have to break it up by sport, by maybe Hall of Fame. I mean, I usually break up all my lots, you know, that I send out to auction houses just so to make it easier for them. And this way, I have an inventory. But the the biggest thing that most people don't want to do is actually do the inventory. You know, yes. the guy with the 600 cards, he says, do I have to write them all out? I said, yeah, that might be a good idea. Because if you want to send me a list, you know, send me a list. I'll take a better look at it. But $6,000, you're not getting for it. And, you know, I felt bad for the guy. You know, he was all excited, wanted to sell it, thought he, he was going to make a lot of money. And that kind of stuff, you know, years ago, maybe 10, 20 years ago, Maybe you would get six thousand dollars for six hundred signed cards, but nowadays, since the pandemic and since more and more people are doing TTMs, you know these guys, their, their stuff is very common. Do you recommend taking photos of, of items, especially some of the rarer stuff, and sending it to you? Yeah, absolutely. yes, yes. And you know, I'm I'm thinking kind of down the road, right? So I'm I'm 57 years old, and in 20 years. What am I going to be doing with my collection? My family probably doesn't want it. You know what? What? You know, when? When do you make that decision? Uh, where okay, it's time, time, time to jump ship. You know, <laughs> that's interesting. <clears throat> I just bought with a friend of mine a very large card collection from 1958 all the way up to like late 70s, and there was a lot of really good cards. What the guy did was 
he would put, you know, number the the numbered cards, put them in loosely plastic sheets and try to get sets out of them. And he's like 73 now. Unfortunately, he's got some illness. And he decided, you know, now is the time he wanted to sell. Mr. Mitt went to him years ago. And he said, well, let me try to finish these sets. Never bothering to finish them. <clears throat> and he decided, you know, now is the time to sell it. And it's the same, as you know, it's what the biggest problem, I think, you know, when you decide that you want to sell is realizing that, you know, your wife or sibling or, you know, or, you know, whatever relative or friend, they're not going to want to have to go through having to try to figure out what stuff is worth. They're not going to know to call Les Wolf, you know, to help them evaluate it or, you know, or, or get it authenticated. And I'd say more than 90% of the time, certain auction houses, they'll just lot the whole collection together. Uh, I don't want to say any names, but when you do it that way, you stand an extremely high chance of losing a lot of money. Right. So break, breaking it up. Like I've instructed my son, you know, with my collection, you know, my kid, my boys, you know, keep what you want. But, you know, this, this and this should go here. This, this and this should go there. And certain things you should just hold on to. And that that's the way I look at it. Yeah, I've been in I've been trying to uh, inventory my stuff. You know, I have I have 50 years worth of collect collections and, you know, it's some of it is, is inventory, but certainly not all of it. And it, 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 it's really a daunting task when you look at it, you know, it's interesting, though. Most of my own personal collection is not inventory, but most of my selling inventory, you know, 90 percent of my selling inventory is. Right. I'm sure you have cool Muhammad Ali stuff and Mickey <clears throat> stuff and team balls <clears throat> and you know 500 home run balls and all this kind of cool stuff. And, you know, maybe your son knows about it or doesn't know about it. But, you know, my wife and kids, if they had to pick out a, a rookie Wayne Gretzky from, from a, you know, a, a Tim Young card, they wouldn't know the difference. <clears throat> well, also, you know, but some, some like I can just think of a, a neighbor, uh, a local person to me here in Long Island. Uh, I knew him from the gym and he was a big time. He did a lot of signings and he passed away. My real estate broker actually connected me with his wife. I spent about five hours going through all this stuff in, you know, doing my mental inventories and everything. And I made a very, what I felt was a very fair offer. Another dealer comes in that I know. They made a, They gave him an increased offer, and I said to him, "Did you look at everything?" They said, "No." I said, "Well, if I were you, I'd go. You know, if they if she calls you back, I'd go back and uh, change that offer because a lot of stuff in there. It was signed baseballs, not on Major League Baseball. Signed on cheap plastic balls. Yeah, it was foot like like tons of stuff like that. And she, you know, the woman couldn't decide what to sell it for. You know, she got a very fair offer from me, you know, a little more from someone else, but they didn't evaluate everything like I did. And last I heard, she still had it because she thought it was worth so much more than what everybody was telling her. And P.S., you know, she was moving and everything. I don't know, whatever. I never followed up again because to tell you the truth, after wasting five hours and calling her every few months for about a year, I just realized that she just really is too attached and doesn't really want to sell it. So sometimes you just have to... uh just walk away from something like that because you know, I, cer I certainly know my my wife is not too attached to she, she would sell it out front of me right this second <laughs> uh, you know that's good and bad also <clears throat> i mean you have you 
I'm an appraiser and I just, um, a real, a real estate attorney happened to see some memorabilia. Uh, this woman's husband, uh, father died. So it was local. So I took a look. He said, normally I would charge an hourly rate. I did him as a favor. And I looked at the cards. It was McGuire and Sosa graded uh, PSA cards. But that, that that market is dead. It's dead, there was, right? There was a three, uh, you know, center field of ball with the autographs weren't real. There was a mantle ball wasn't real. The manager ball, blah blah blah. So I said to him, I said, you know what? I said I would say five hundred to a thousand dollars, and probably closer to five hundred would be what you'd probably get for it. I, you know, I would come back and make an offer if you really want to sell it. Well, this guy, uh, when my father was alive, offered ten thousand dollars for it. I said, do me a favor. Don't 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 even think about it. Just call him, say, you know, give me the ten thousand. I'll take it right now. Right. I you know, I called her back. She hasn't gotten back to me, but there's no way this guy you know, maybe maybe when he looked at it, she said it actually got appraised. I said, I'd love to know who did the appraisal because there's not ten thousand dollars worth of stuff here. You know, especially with the mantles and the majors and that stuff not being authentic. She said they would have probably killed her dad. I said, Yeah, but you know what the problem is? Back then it was the wild, wild west. Right. There was no there was no authentication. There was I mean, anybody and everybody would write a letter, but they you know, they were fly by night stores and companies. And unfortunately, this guy bought a lot of stuff from there and I felt bad. But I mean, that when people ask me, what's the hardest thing to do in your business? And I say, actually telling people, you know, when they go to when you go to the house or they send you stuff or you look at it online is just to say, listen, Jeff, I'm sorry. Your most prized possession at Mickey Mantle baseball is not authentic. You know, right. And I mean, you've seen you, you see the, the national media when they promote our hobby. It's when Mickey Mantle card sells for twelve million dollars or, uh, you know, a, a Jordan jersey sells for five million dollars. And then all of a sudden, everyone that's the that's a, a commoner, so to speak, that doesn't isn't a collector. They think their stuff is worth you know, ten tenfold for what it actually is worth. So I don't know how much all these big sales actually help the hobby in the long run, but. They are. It is. What I it mean, is. it certainly helps. It helps gather the interest. But the the problem is everybody thinks that their card is mint condition. Yeah. Like, like the card collection that is bought, I spent nice five figures on it. Uh, and it was a really nice collection. But when you looked at, you know, they've been in plastic sheets for like 50 years. And you look at the corners, they're off center, you know, the and the, the borders and the corners, when you pull them in and out, they lose value. And you got to be very careful taking them out. And there was about 20 loosely books full of that. So you got to be careful. Um, and, uh, you know, the and another thing what people don't realize with auction houses, as opposed to someone like myself, a dealer, is you send it into that auction house. They got to evaluate it. They got to put it into their auction. It's going to take 60 to 90 days before they put it into an auction, unless unless you uh, unless you hit them at the right time. Plus, they got to get it authenticated or slabbed and graded. And that's you're you're talking about six. I would say on an average, six months to a year, unless you have unless you have that man or rookie card or something that they want to they want to hurry up and sell. That's going to take a long time before you you get you see any money on that. Are there any auction? Less are there any auction houses that will purchase the items for you from you? I should say, and then and then market it whatever they want, and, and you know t just take the profits from it. Is there any auction houses that do that? Um, well, let me first finish my train of thought. Okay, I'm uh, sorry. It's all right. Uh, 
Whereas I find when, you know, people, you know, you know, I tell the people, you know, if you, if you want to wait six months to a year to get paid, fine. You know, I'm happy to make you a fair offer and I'll pay you as soon as I see this stuff and I evaluate it. Um, some, or I, I don't know too many auction houses that are really buy this stuff outright. You know, they'll look at it because when you think about it and I tell people, this is an interesting uh, thing is you, you, you say, Les, come on, come by, look at my collection. I'll say, well, first off, Jeff, do you want me to appraise it, meaning, you know, tell you what I think it's worth, or do you want me to buy it? Now, I can't do both. If I do both, I can tell you your collection is worth $5,000 when it's worth $50,000. So that, that's unethical. And I, I'm sure there's auction companies that do do that and look to buy it for the $5,000 instead of the fifty. Yeah. But I, I let people know, I have to know before because it's not ethical for me to appraise it and buy it. I can give you what I think is a fair estimate and purchase it from you. And that's what I do. <clears throat> and another thing people don't realize, another thing, and this is important. You as the collector, when you want to sell your stuff, the dealer, like myself, will buy it, spend, let's say, $10,000, $20,000 on your collection. It's going to take the, the average dealer, depending upon how many people he has working for him, six months to a year to probably break even just on that collection. And after that, uh, it's still going to take some time to sell that stuff off. I mean, I'm working on, I think I had once told you a friend, a dear friend of mine passed away and I was working on his collection. I bought most of it. Then his better stuff, uh, when he passed away, his uh, brother-in-law gave, you know, gave me and I took it on consignment and I've had it for like three years. And I send them checks every, every few months, a few thousand dollars a check. And it's taken me like four years to sell off most of their stuff that I, you know, that I, that I bought out of there. And, you know, they're very appreciative, uh, but I, I just wish I, you know, that it was an easier process, but it really isn't Yeah, it, it, it takes time to sell this stuff, whether you're posting it on eBay, whether you're posting it in an SED ad, it still takes time. And even the auction companies will tell you the same thing. It's going to take them time to post. They have backlogs. Some of these auction companies have, have uh, warehouses full of stuff that they take, you know, on a gradual basis to to auction. Right. I know. I mean, I mean, I've been in your booth at the National, and, and you know, you have a Babe Ruth ball in there that's beautiful, and, and you know, how many people want to look at it? But then to pull the trigger and, and purchase that ball, uh, you know, I'm sure you've had that for a couple of years before you get the the right person. Um, actually, the Ruth Garrick ball, the 28 Yankee ball, I have now. I've only had maybe about a little over a year now. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, thank you. But the the thing is that it, it takes a certain kind of client that, that's going to want to buy that. But it's just like anything else. Uh, I, you know, I urge everybody out there, if you want to sell, you know, plan, you know, definitely do put a plan in action of what you want to do with your collection. Because you don't, I mean, I don't, I had a guy, a very nice guy that I dealt with for years, passed away. And the wife called me and said, I'm giving it to X, Y, and Z auction house. I said, good luck, but I don't think I would do that. So oh, it's too late. I just sent it in. I said, all right. And in there, there was a nice Garrick uh, team sign ball. It was mixed in with his big autograph lot. What what should have gotten her maybe 10000 10, to 15000 She only did a few thousand dollars because it got lost in a big in a big a lot. lot. You know, is what I call that a lot of auction houses do is called a dealer lot. They set it up. The only person that wants to that's wants to take a chance on is a dealer. Yeah. But once again, I'm gonna urge everybody out there, 
make an inventory of what you have, have a succession plan set up. You know, if you're not going to leave it to your relatives to keep, um, figure out who you want to give it to. I mean, in, un, unfortunately, a couple of my clients that have passed away, I've been the person's name that they've used to uh, to sell the collection to because they they wanted me to handle it for them because I've dealt with them very fairly, you know, buying and selling over the years. But, you know, I, I cannot emphasize enough that you have to have to make a plan because you don't want to leave your you know your wife your kids or anybody stuck trying to sell this stuff because it it can be really overbearing yeah i mean you you know i watch on um american pickers I, I love that show and they always show people going to into people's houses that have passed away and they have these huge beautiful collections not necessarily sports collections but uh, whatever and you can just see the people are overwhelmed and that you know i, I i'm sure you don't want to overwhelm your family with a burden of unloading all the the garbage that we we've accumulated over our our lifetime but you know it's our garbage and there's a value to it but you don't want them to get cheated or, or or taken advantage of either so um i think it's a great idea to inventory have it inventoried and um have it a, a definite plan of what to do with it and if anybody out there has any questions on that stuff i'm happy to answer that but and another thing that that I've recently a few collections I have purchased is they've gotten part of it authenticated. That's another thing. People don't realize. I would say 20, 20 30 years ago, I'd go to I'd go to you, Jeff. Okay, you want to sell your collection? I'd look at it, make my assessment, and then whatever whatever's not authentic, I'd be stuck with. And I'd factor that in. Nowadays. I go to your collection, let's say it's worth $10,000 for argument's sake, and it's going to cost me $3,000 to authenticate it. I'm going to only be able to offer you five to 7000 for it because I have to factor in what it's going to cost me to get it authenticated. And another thing, it also takes time. I'm waiting six, eight weeks for uh, JSA to send me letters back. Um, you know, PSA, you know, forget about it with the encapsulation. You got to wait forever sometimes and right. get them slabbed and graded. I mean, Beckett, I understand, is much faster. But, you know, that's that's a big, big thing is the authentication. You know, uh, and and I tell people, if you want to spend the money to get it authenticated, be my guest. But as a dealer, I'm going to get a better price than you will. And you're not always are you going to be able to get top dollar because you got it authenticated. Right. I mean, that's probably what my biggest thing is that, you know, 99% of my collection is not authentic. Like I know it, you know, I, you know, I got it either in person or uh, TTM, but I, you know, I, I think it's authentic, but it, it, somebody else, like, like if you can see on my wall here, I have a, a picture signed by Parrish and, and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that I got through the mail and they both signed through the mail and the, 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 the autographs are both spot on, but it hasn't been authenticated. <laughs> right. Um, plus another thing. For example, most people are not going to know Urban Red Faber, Baseball Hall of Famer. Yeah. The years we've been selling their, their autographs, but no one knew until recently. I think Jimmy Spence came up with it, realized that it was uh, signed by his wife. Yeah, I mean, that's Don Zimmers, right? Is mostly Don Zimmers was signed yeah, by his wife. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, interesting story on that years ago is that uh, Joe DiMaggio 
this is before the, the days of uh, autographs, shows, and everything. Joe DiMaggio used to always answer his mail. One year, he had his sister sign all his mail. So if you see the O with a little loop going up, not a flat O, just with just a circle, you knew that the wife signed it, the sister signed it. So DiMaggio came into New York, and everybody's saying, you know, we got all this stuff back in the mail, and it doesn't look like your handwriting. DiMaggio took a look at it and said, that's not me. So he, so people started rushing uh, to, you know, to send stuff because he said, now, you know, I'm going to sign all my mail. He got very annoyed that there was a lot of phony autographs out there. And if you look on eBay and you look on some of the, the um, authenticator site, they will slip up every now and then and they'll authenticate one that was signed by the uh, sister, not signed by him. And the same thing with Willie Mays. There's a lot, a lot. Be careful with the Mays hologram because I understand a lot of those were forged. They got a hold of the hologram and they put it on forged maze autographs. Right. I have three or four DiMaggio's, but I he signed them in person to me at the National in, in uh, San Francisco back in the late 80s. So I like I know it's real, but it, it's not never been authenticated. Right. I mean, I mean, like another deal, a friend of mine said, and we, we used to be just selling autographs. Now we just sell letters. You know, basically. <laughs> True. So, the 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 average novice collector, the first thing out of their mouth to me, uh, how much is it? Is it authenticated? Yeah. Same breath. Well, I mean, you can from as a buyer standpoint, and you, and you bought stuff, you you understand that because there's so much fake stuff out there, and, and it's really hard to differentiate between what's fake and what's real. And uh, especially back in the '80s, right, with your guy Mickey Mickey Mantle was was forged all over the place ted williams was forged all over the place so you know the, those well guys. and also the old brooklyn dodgers if it's uh, campanella erskine and robinson on a side panel that was done by the clubhouse guy yeah a lot, and a lot of the mantle balls in the early 50s was done by the clubhouse guy i've got a couple of 59 yankee team balls uh one guy uh <clears throat> claimed that he i bought his collection he said that his father went in the clubhouse gave it to this guy and he got it signed for him and I took a look at it and I said, I'm sorry, you know, this mantle is not authentic. No, it's not. It's so definitely real. I said, I'm sorry, it's not, you know. You know, you don't want to get into a pissing match with someone, but you just know. And a lot of this stuff is, you know, still being done by the clubhouse people. Right. I remember the, the my friend sent me pictures of, of, it was a mantle ball, DiMaggio, something something else. I sent it off to you. And you're like, sorry, those aren't real. And, and you know, the guy who had the ball, had the stuff, swore up and down that it was real, but it just it, it is what it is you know what i mean where whatever source that they bought he bought it from it back in the you know the 80s it was a bad source i mean you know the way that the the business has gone in the hobby um the the jimmy spencers of the world have really helped to get rid of a lot of bad stuff you know yeah and i'm sure psa has helped that and beckett has helped that absolutely and... absolutely i agree jsa psa beckett you know steve grad you know they're all they're all very good at what they do. Uh, every now and then they will slip up and they will make a mistake. But I would say on all in all, it's definitely been an added plus to the uh, to the business. You know, being able to know that and feeling more comfortable when you're buying stuff. Well, well, so, for example, with me, you know, when people say, you know, why should I buy it from Les Wolf as opposed to uh, Joe Schmo? And I say, listen, I've been doing this for over 60 years and I'll give you a lifetime guarantee on that. You know, I will, you know, I will take that back from you, you know, if I made a mistake or if, if 
an, for one of the authenticators deems it not authentic. And I have taken back stuff that, believe it or not, I've gotten myself in person and just kind of laughed, you know, that the authenticators didn't realize it was authentic. Right. I mean, that's, you you know, you know what you got and you're, it's, you're protecting your name lesson. And, and I appreciate that. That Oh, absolutely. The, but But also always remember out there, that all these authenticators, it's only their opinion. Right. And they'll say, they'll say that. And that, that's important. But I think of all the authenticators out there, I think Jimmy Spence is one of the best by far. I think Steve Grad is very good. Kevin Keating is terrific. Bill Corcoran is terrific. But I think Jimmy's like on a whole nother pedestal from everybody else. Remember, he's one of the first to ever do that. Yeah, and Kevin's Kevin's very good. I've I've shown Kevin a few things, and he's like, "Well, remember, this is my opinion, and I show it around to people, other people in the at PSA, and it's their opinion, and, and and that's what you have to do. You have to just value their opinion." Um, the, Absolutely. So, because no one knows the only the only people that know if it was real is the person that signed in, and if you were sitting right next to them, you know it's real. But there's there's like you said, there's instances where you know you you get a, an autograph from from Mickey Mantle in, in the street and he's signing it different than if he's sitting at a table at a at a show and absolutely. taking his time and and absolutely correct so yeah you know just buy buy everywhere and, and shop at re- reputable people I guess right exactly that's, that's all you can do well Les thank you very much I really appreciate it it, it was very informative today I I uh, love tapping your brain on stuff that that you live and know know like the back of your hand and it's great to 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 get get your perspective on it how you doing on ttms any ttms you got out there uh i haven't mailed out to anybody except i think i told you last time yeah. uh, mario andretti i mailed in some cards from that corvette set from the 1991 which is when do really you expect cool getting set. those back is he he's pretty usually pretty quick right um he's been infrequently quick sometimes slow other times he's getting up there in age i mean i'm looking forward to that. i told him keep some of them for yourself uh i just want a few for my set and just want to keep that um th- that's the fun part you know i always as a kid i always used to always get so excited to see the mailman because i never yep. knew what was coming and i just do it for my po box now and i get excited knowing oh who did i get back and i look at my see if I, oh what state is that oh and What's the letters I put on there if I put on there the initials of the athlete? Isn't it fun still, even at our age, we still, uh, we love getting the mail and we love, love seeing who's coming and. Because we're still kids at heart. And that's yeah. what I mean, you know, that's the best part about us for the business. Unfortunately, a lot of the card companies and a lot of companies out there aren't catering to the kids, but that's a, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. No, I know we should. We have to have a, a discussion about that because that that is a problem. I mean, I I send out mostly cards, but I do send out photos now and then. So we we call it a big one. So when I get a, a big envelope, my wife gets all excited. Like, who'd you get? Who who do we get today? I mean, that's fun. the fun part. It is the fun part. Um, are you are you going to any shows? You got any shows that you're going to be exhibiting in before the national? Um... I'm setting up, this is March, and I'm setting up next month at the uh, Jimmy Ryan show at Hofstra. I'm going to have, and I'm also have uh, an SCD ad with uh, my spring training uh, baseballs. So nice. The team balls, it's going to be a combination of like three new collections of signed balls in there. So a lot of vintage Feeney balls signed. So uh, Koufax and Vince Scully, guys like that. So they're nice baseballs. Sat out of O. 
Um, so it's, you know, if there's anybody named Bill, I got a lot of baseball signed to Bill. That was <laughs> the guy's name, but you know, that's the fun part. You never know. You heading down to Philly at all for the Philly show? I was thinking of doing it again. I mean, I did it again. I did it last year. Uh, I don't think so. I really don't think so. How about Chantilly? Do you go down to Virginia? Chantilly? I, I've done that one show. I did that show. Wonderful people to run it. Good show. But I, maybe because I'm getting finicky, I didn't do as well as I thought I should have. So I just kind of like gotten more comfortable just having my SCD ad, Sports Collectors Digest, and my eBay store, Sports Autographs, and my phone and my emails and my website. Got guys, that. check check out Les's a website. It's leswolfsportsllc.com. He has all sorts of cool stuff. He has Sandy Koufax and Muhammad Ali and Mickey Mantle and Will Chamberlain and you you name it. He has all sorts of cool stuff. Check it out if you need a gift. We got Father's Day is coming up soon. And uh, Les and I always say, you know, when if you if, when someone gives you an autograph, you remember who gave it to you. I I. I do any autograph that I have. I say 95% of them, I know where they came from. And if someone gave it to me as a gift or I made a trade with somebody for something, I just, I, I remember it. It's a, it's a nice way to, to say thank you and to tell, give somebody something special, a, a nice autograph picture or autograph ball uh, from, from you goes a long way. Don't you think? I mean, yeah. And it's a good investment. And just remember, memorabilia is memories and just brings you back to when you were a kid. You know, if you get like, uh, I think I have a, a posted on social media. Uh, one of my customers purchased uh, a Jay Hook ball signed with first met win and everything on a baseball. And, he, and she gave it to her girlfriend, who's a really big Met collector. And, you know, she was like she called her like the the World Series game winning uh, gift she just loved it and was just, was just <laughs> totally in shock but you know that's what you want you know that's the kind of collectors that you want to have and you want to meet and do and and, and help out and it always helps to give a gift that they're not going to get normally from anybody else that's right that's I, I when i give a gift i try to find something that somebody probably wouldn't buy but that they would really like that's what i i always try to do with it with a gift so les thank you very much guys if you have any questions for Les uh, in terms of uh, maybe you want, you want to sell your, your collection or you know somebody that's trying to sell a, a collection or you want uh, and pray, you're interested in getting your collection appraised or you want tips on what to do uh, with your collection before you pass, you just uh, send me an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com or you can send Les. Les is at AOL. Les, what's your email address at AOL? L-W-O-L-F-F-1823 at AOL. Send either one of us an email and we will help you out. If you have any questions for Les and uh, we use it on the show, we'll certainly get you some type of uh, gift or giveaway. And Les, uh, I'm going to be having printed up our 2023 TTM Cast baseball cards and I'll be sending them out to you soon to get autographed so we can we can give them away to listeners. I don't know if I'll be signing that. And what's, you know, I have a, I have a, a, a I have an agent, so I have to has to go to my. Agent. <laughs> All right, what is your what does your wife want? <laughs> uh, we'll have, we'll have to talk about that. All right, buddy. Thank you. I will talk cool. to you next week. You have a great week. You too. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Well, Drew, when I sat down with Les, I, and I said in the interview, I said, "Okay, class is in session." And Les, you're the teacher, and and I think it was a great teaching thing. He, you know, he taught us a lot. Of, he he talked about a lot of stuff that you kind of knew about, but it was nice to hear. You know what I mean? 
Yep. Yep. You reinforced a lot of stuff. So Les is awesome. And we love having Les. We'll have, we'll have on uh, Les on next week as well. Uh, if you have any questions for Les, just send me an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com. And, and uh, if we use your question, we'll we'll get you some type of prize. But uh, you know, I thank th- thank Les for his time. I really enjoy having Les on the show. Next up is Collector's Corner. Okay, do it, Drew. Away. Collector's Corner. Collector's Corner. We got to talk to Lee Alexander. Lee is from Mississippi originally, but he lives in uh, Alabama now, and he is a hockey guy. Down, down in the south, right? Southeast, he's a hockey guy. He's also a boxing guy. And uh, he was, a, he was a, uh, a really cool to talk to somebody who's so passionate about his collection. It was nice to, to talk to Lee and learn more about what he's uh, into. So please enjoy my interview with collector Lee Alexander. And now it's time for Collector's Corner. Let's hear from our collector this week. All right, guys, it's time for a little collector's corner. We're going to talk to Lee Alexander. Lee is from Alabama. I should say he lives in Alabama. He's not from Alabama. He is a big-time collector. He's into boxing and hockey and all sorts of other cool stuff, including TTM. We just talk a little collecting with Lee here in Collector's Corner. So welcome, Lee. Hi, thank you for having me. No problem. Uh, I love talking to people that are passionate about collecting, and it's obvious that you're very passionate. Uh, Drew Pelty. Pelto, my co-host, told me about you, and uh, I said, oh, I got to get this guy on the show, talk a little collecting. Well, yeah, Drew and I go back a long ways. We're actually one of those instances where we met in, of all things, an NHL chat room back in, say, it had to be the early 2000s, around 2000, 2001, and it's just one of those strange things where, you know, we just hit it off, and we've been in contact ever since. We actually met for the first time last year at a minor league baseball game here in town. Yeah, Leah... uh, Drew went on his uh, excellent adventure last summer, right? And you you got to see him while he was on his excellent adventure. It's pretty cool to go see all those minor league games in such a short period of time. Have you done anything like that before? I never have. You know, just the the single game here and there. I I would very much enjoy something like what he did. I believe. I mean, just the thought of having that many games and just one giant road trip. I mean, that sounds like any sports fan's dream come true, right there. When you think about it. Is your first passion hockey? Did you really start getting into hockey collectibles? Hockey is probably the primary one. And funny enough, PTM collecting, it actually dates back to probably the mid-90s. The first TTM, I guess, that I technically ever sent. Well, to rewind a little bit, prior to that, my parents had bought me this little thing that had lists for team fan packs. Sure. So before, you know, we would send off with the fan packs, and, you know, you wouldn't usually get autographs. They would send you back, you know, team-issued postcards, bumper stickers, and the like. And I remember this was shortly after Jimmy Johnson came on as the Dolphins coach. I remember being a pretty young kid at the time, but I just thought, oh, I'm going to try to mail Jimmy Johnson this Dan Marino card and see if he'll sign it for me. And oddly enough, it didn't work. Imagine that. But I did get <laughs> like surprise, a – Surprise, surprise. I did get a prepackaged, you know – an auto, either auto pen or maybe even it was a printed on signature. Either way, not a legitimate signature of Jimmy Johnson headshot, which I, funny enough, still actually have that to this day. But I guess that was technically my first foray into TTM collecting. And uh, did you, were you were a real big in person guy for hockey? Or, I mean, you're, you're down, you live in the South, so it's kind of hard for you to, to do in person. Did you do a lot of TTM in hockey? 
I did a lot of TTM. We had a minor league team that was around in Tupelo, Mississippi for about three seasons. And, you know, just little meet the player functions you'd have there. And of course, at the time, you know, just being a, a young kid with no internet access, I had no idea who any of these players were. This was long before the days of hockey database where you could track players and whatnot. But as far as hockey collecting, it was mostly TTM. You know, that was the the one sport where I actually had, you know, marginal success. And I kind of learned early on, you know, you're going to have better luck reaching out to not star players necessarily. But, you know, still, I was able to get some good signatures back in the day. I remember the very first, what I thought was a success that I got back was the dreaded Ed Belfour rubber stamp. Yep. And I come to find out a little while later that was actually not. I believe the first hockey success that I can recall to getting back was Jeff Courtnall, who played for the St. Louis Blues at the time. Yep. He, he, did he end up playing for the Bruins as well? I believe he started with the Bruins. I believe that was his first team. Yeah, I thought so. I think his trajectory, if I recall right, I think he went from the Bruins to the Capitals to the Blues, and he may have had another stop after the Blues, but... I remember he was with St. Louis when I mailed to him and actually had a, a success back from there. So I was pretty excited to get that first one under my belt. And Are you working on any sets? Do you work on any sets or, you, or focus on any teams? Well, I have two sets that I, I say I'm working on. I've had kind of a lull in attempting those, but I'm working on the 1990 score hockey set. Okay. So did I did get, actually did you get Lindros? to making the call. Did you get Lindros? I do have Lindros. I do. I do. Good. So I'm at 264 total, and that's including the regular score set and the score rookie traded set, which I've kind of just condensed into one there. Do you? Um, so in do, a lot of you, these, do you, I mean, this do is you buy multiples? Do you buy multiples of the card? The card, so you have extra in case you don't get one back. I do. I've actually got an old factory set. Was the whole reason that I started that set to begin with? It's just like, oh well, hey, here's here's one instance where I've got every card in the set, so we'll start with this and. You know, started knocking out some of the easier guys. And, you know, obviously there's autograph groups. You'll have fire sales. And, you know, I can get get some autographs cheaper than the cost of the stamp back and forth. So, obviously, I've added a few through that means as well. How many cards are in the set? I know it's in the 400s. I believe it was 450, 450-something in the base set and then another 50 in the traded set. So, I'm guessing probably in the low 500 range. It's getting there. What What do you like best about collecting sets? That's just, you know, having just a, I guess, an end goal, you know, just kind of a, a concrete number to work towards. It's just something fun to kind of see how much you can actually get done on one particular set. How and many, course, how, you know, many you, uh, how many TTMs do you send out a, in a month, you know? Well, on on good months, I'm lucky if I usually get about... 10 to 15 out and here lately i'm actually probably on about a two month drought of not having anything sent out it did actually get a pretty long-standing return back the other day though who'd you get I got a david bruce david bruce who was uh you know he's kind of an nhl journeyman but he was really more renowned for his ahl career he actually had the record for i believe goals in a season in the ahl for a long time and he might still have it but i got him back in 370 something odd days Got him on four four. Yeah, do you cheat like Drew and put the initials on the return envelope so you know it's from? I actually don't. I actually put my own return address on there just yep. so in case, you know, it gets lost. Maybe by some chance it might get returned back to me instead of, you know, lost in the abyss there. 
But what are some of the, your surprises that you've gotten back in the last year or so? Well, within the last year or so, I would say that. Honestly, that one in itself was a big surprise because once you get beyond a certain amount, of it's just kind of like, well, this is probably not coming back. And say David Bruce was a big surprise. Uh, trying to think of some more, not within the past year, but, you know, there's been a couple of small windows where there have actually been, you know, Gretzky openings. And I was fortunate enough to actually get in on one of those and get a set for get a set here for 90 score. And then another set that I'm actually working on is the 1984 Topps OPG set. Okay, nice. So I was actually able to get Gretzky on one of each for that. Of course, the bad thing is Gretzky's got, you know, 12 cards and 90 score. So as far as trying to complete an entire set, that's going to be a whole other animal to tackle there when we get to that point. But I figured just getting one for the time being was a good start. If you could have, if you could get one one card signed that you don't have signed right now, who would you want? Uh, in the '84, the score set. No, any 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 card doesn't have to be in the set. So it could be any card you. Okay. I would say honestly, of all that I'm working on right now, I'd like to get the '90 score Bob Probert signed. I know there's some of those out there, but obviously with his, his passing, you know, I never got a chance to actually try to obtain that in person or through the mail but that that's definitely one of the top priorities right now i understand you're big into boxing as well that's right i'm actually a big fan i'm actually in the process of starting up a boxing archive on youtube which we're found a source who has a lot of old recorded tapes from tv so basically i'll buy you know bulk of about 30 to 50 of those at a time from him and just kind of go through and catalog what's included on there and with the uh, boxing cards, you know, you've got a lot less to work with. You know, there were the KO sets from the early 90s, and then I think Brown's Boxing had a set or two out in the early 90s. But uh, credit to Drew, who enlightened me to the Rookies app, which I have discovered recently. I think that's going to be a good means of just making some making some boxing customs to send out because the KO sets and some of the Browns boxing sets, they're a little underwhelming in the design, and I'm not a big fan of some of the photography. So being able to kind of go through and pick an image that really lends itself better to a card design, I think that'll be a big help with getting started on some of those. Who are some of the boxers that you've gotten through the mail? Actually, with uh, boxers through the mail, I'm currently working on one, uh, one of my favorite kind of not an unknown, but not one of the more household names, Greg Haugen, who was big in the 80s. He had a good rivalry with Vinny Pezienza and fought Hector Camacho a couple of times. It looks like, based on what I see on numbers, he is a pretty consistent signer, so I'm working on getting some customs and maybe even a couple of 8x10s to try to send his way. I'm a huge fan of his. So, Who are some of the, the fighters that signed through the mail? I know I got Sugar Ray a while ago. Ray Mancini was good about signing, but I know he's been doing more private signings lately. But even his private signings, you know, he, it's pretty reasonable. You know, twenty, twenty-five, thirty, forty bucks from what I was seeing previously. And of course, you know, there's a few that I've dragged my feet on. Probably the one I'm kicking myself the most on is Marvin Hagler, who you know unfortunately passed away within the last few years. But prior to that, was a pretty consistent signer through the mail. So that was definitely a missed opportunity that should have, you know. Put in put in action a little more before, but that's just a good reason that shows to uh, if you got somebody you want, somebody that you know is a consistent signer, just don't procrastinate. Just go ahead and get that letter written up, get that thing out there. No, I know. If you wait around, it it happens to everyone. You're like, oh, I'll get that guy eventually, and then eventually it never happens. Exactly. Do you um, do you have uh, do you send out pictures as well, or you just stri strictly st stick with cards? 
I usually try to stick with carts for the most part. I've actually tried pucks a few times, and I have uh, I've run into issues with puck smearing because obviously, you know, Sharpie doesn't always show up that well, and even sending the paint pins. Like, I've, I've tried two different pucks, and neither one has turned out really well, so I think I'm just going to stick to pucks in person. And photographs, I have not actually tried any of those yet. There are a few that I wouldn't mind getting out there, but as of right now, I'm pretty much 95% just a card guy for the most part. Have you been to, I know our, our, our correspondent Les Wolf is a big boxing guy. He always goes to the Boxing Hall of Fame meet, uh, things. And uh, have you been to any event, uh, boxing events? I never have, actually. And I, I would definitely love to check out the Hall of Fame. I've heard that there's just some mind-blowing pieces in there just to be in the presence of. That'd be a real thrill for, you know, a boxing fan like myself. What's What uh, online tools do you use? What, what sites do you like going to? Um you know, for TTMing and for, for purchasing cards? Well, for the most part, it's SCN, Sports Collectors Net. That is yep. my go-to for everything. The odd chance that I've got someone who's got no documented successes on there, I'll kind of do a little bit deeper dive, see if there's anything that's been posted recently as far as, you know, the area they might be in or if they're working for any particular team or company or anything like that. Actually, uh, Drew, Drew can attest to this one. We had a player that we both were a big fan of. Craig Cox was a, he was a hockey player back in the 80s, early 90s. There had been no successes in 10 years on SCN for him. And I remember just a little digging online, I was actually able to find out that he was the manager of the Sheboygan Ice Rink in Chicago, Illinois. So I figured, hey, you know what? It's worth a shot. He's probably not getting a ton of stuff sent there. So Sure enough, you know, just took a stab at it. Ended up with five signed cards back from him as a result. So that was what, what card? What card? What did he one. play for? I'm not familiar with him. Who did he play for? Well, he broke in with the Canucks, and then he also had stints with the Blues, and he ended up on the inaugural Sharks team in 1991-92. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he scored the first goal in San Jose Sharks history. I bet Drew was uh, jealous at that one. Oh, he actually sent to him as well and had a success as well right around the same time. So we we were both pretty thrilled to get that one back. Very cool. We're talking with, with collector Lee Alexander. It's Collector's Corner. Lee is uh, into hockey and boxing. Um, do, you, do you collect baseball and football as well? I do. I'm, honestly, I collect a little bit of everything. The only sport that I'm really just almost non-existent with TTM would be basketball because I know it's just such a low – such a low success rate for the era that I grew up watching, which would be, you know, that late 80s, early 90s period. So I, I don't do a lot of that. I've gotten a few players back, though, like Robert Parrish, who's, you know, one of the best signers out there. I've gotten yep. him back, Dan Marley, Maurice Cheeks, you know. A handful of the players that are pretty consistent signers, but as far as, you know, kind of reaching outside the box, I haven't really done a whole lot of that with the uh, the basketball stuff. I have a son who's 10 who is starting to get into a lot of football, so I'm kind of trying to get him a little more interested in, you know, the through-the-mail autographing. He's he's big into the hobby side right now. You know, he likes buying packs of cards and buying into breaks, and slowly he's kind of learning, like, oh, well, hey, with a lot of these old cards, he's a big Falcons fan, so I've given him, you know, a lot of old 80s and 90s Falcons cards, and I'm like, hey, you know, you can actually mail these out and get these players to sign, so starting to get his interest generated in that a little bit i thought that'd be something fun that we can kind of you know share together and do do you have your cards that from when you were a kid from the 80s and 90s did you keep those i do 
I actually did. I've, I've retained just about everything, even the old stuff getting back from the uh, team band packs. I've actually retained all that, so it's kind of fun to look back through some of that and just see what they would send you back, you know, because a lot of times with teams, you know, you you send off for a fan pack, you know, just say, for example, like if you send for a Dolphins fan pack, you expect they're going to get back like a Dan Marino, O.J. McDuffie, you know, kind of a name recognizable player but i remember with some of the basketball fan packs i would just get back players that i had just never heard of in my entire life before but you know what it was just nice getting anything back at that point how do you store and display your items do you have do you have a man cave and do you have put them in, in binders how do you, you store and display your items well with i've got select items on display with most of it i just top load the autos in a box and i've got certain boxes like i have a hockey box and then i have a non-hockey box which i guess that kind of shows you where my collecting's most heavily focused hockey yep. gets its own box whereas everything else is kind of condensed with dividers but for the most part you know just top load put in boxes and then i've got a select few you know just on bookcases that are set out you know it's kind of a mixture of ttm cards and some hobby cards as well I'm, i dabble in a little bit of both of those do you have a favorite uh item in your collection well and probably the favorite items in my collection overall i've actually got a handful of game worn nhl jerseys i've actually oh, got a have? couple of red wings players so I've got Rick Sealing. I've got his 1986-87 road jersey. And you can definitely tell from jerseys of that era that they did not get new jerseys very often because these <laughs> things are just beat to death with team repairs, stitching. I've got Steve Martinson's 1987-88 home jersey from the Red Wings, which is interesting because, you know, he only played 10 games with the Red Wings during his rookie year. But if I'm not mistaken, I think he racked up about 87 penalty minutes in those 10 games, and that jersey definitely is indicative of a lot of time probably spent in the penalty box with rips, tears, bloodstains. I mean, you name it, that jersey has seen a lot of wars over those games it was played in. Do you plan on getting them signed? You know, I thought about it, and Rick Sealing is a really consistent signer through the mail. But just with those items, that would just be that would have to be an in-person thing if I were to do that, because I I would definitely not want to risk <laughs> losing that in the mail. So who else do you have? You have two Red Wings. Who else do you have? I have a Stefan Kintal Bruins jersey from his 1990-91 season. Nice. And actually was able to video match this one because oddly enough, whoever pressed the jerseys at the time, this one has a really really off look to it it's like they didn't properly line up the number with the name which you know it's a little bit of an eyesore in that regard but it's also kind of made for easy to match up to a couple of videos you know of him playing in the jersey which is kind of neat he actually fought a couple of tough guys in that jersey uh tony twist who was one of the more renowned enforcers of the 90s Dental actually fought him in that jersey so it's kind of cool to have you know that little piece of hockey fighting history hanging on the wall there where, how have you picked these up? Have you picked them up uh, on the secondary market, or, or how did you get the, the jerseys? I actually did. I picked them up. They're actually dedicated Facebook groups for game-worn jerseys that I learned of. And, you know, obviously, I, there's a lot of guys that collect a lot on there. But with me, with an item like that, I'm like, I'm not buying these things just to, you know, store them in a tote or hang them in a closet. Like, they have a, a piece of NHL history like that. Like, it's going to have to be displayed. And, unfortunately, I'm kind of – at capacity on what I have room to display now. So I've 
pretty much have put the brakes on buying anything else unless, you know, just they must have at a price that's, you know, within my spending means pops up. We'll kind of cross that bridge when we get there, I guess. But for now, it's not something I'm actively seeking out as far as any more game-worn jerseys go. Do you attend any local um, shows down there? And is it a pretty vibrant collecting community uh, in Alabama? Uh, it's a fairly vibrant community. Most of most of the shows that we're going to have, you're usually going to have to go a little further. I mean, we have some card shows down here, but as far as anything with autograph guests, that's usually going to be uh, more of a Nashville thing. As a matter of fact, last year I went to Music City Con in Nashville and actually got to meet Lawrence Saylor and had him sign a 1989 starting lineup figure for me. Very cool. That did you hear that um, that shop in Nashville burned down? I think. Cards are fun. I think then it was the name of it. It's the, the oldest. No, I didn't hear that. That's yeah. Oh, it was the, terrible, old, the oldest shop in Nashville. Uh, they had a fire and lost about just about everything. Oh well, you hate to hear that. That's awful. Yeah, I was there. I was in Nashville last Christmas time when we went to the the store. It was it was a fire hazard when I went there. It was just I'm like all you need is one spark and this place is going up because that's how it was packed with cards. You know. Oh yeah, and that, that's the bad thing is, like you said, it just takes one one little spark, and it is impossible to contain when you've got an environment like that. Have you been to Have you been to any of the big shows like the National or Dallas show or uh, Chantilly or any of the big shows? You know, I never have, but I am actually planning to hopefully, if all goes according to plan, tag along with Drew to one of the National shows within the next couple of years. Because obviously being a sports collector, I feel like that's almost a rite of passage. You have to go at least once to, to experience that. Well, what's on your, your want list for the rest of 2023? Do you have one thing that you, you definitely want to add to your collection? Well, I'm big into football right now. Like I said, my, my oldest son is getting into the hobby. So it's kind of sparked my, my hobby interest in football. I'm actually a big-time collector of Mark Bavaro, Bernie Kosar, and Lawrence Taylor cards. Those are my top three PC players for football, so I'm always on the lookout to add more of those guys that I don't have. Mark Bavaro is actually a local guy here. He, I think he went. He is uh, from Danvers, Massachusetts, so he's a couple towns away from me. And uh, but okay, I don't think well, he's awesome. I don't think he's a great signer, right? He's not a, a good signer through the mail. He, he's not. All of my Mark Bavaro autographs, they are they are hobby autographs. I have actually tried Bavaro, I think, three times over the years, two to home addresses, and then I tried one through a work address, and I have officially given up on TTMing, so I just went the hobby route. Yeah, I know. He, he does shows every once in a while. Yeah, definitely. I'm hoping to catch him at a show, maybe even one with mail-ins, because I'd like to get a starting lineup signed to go with the Taylor one. I'm a big starting lineup collector as well, so, you know, those aren't something that's really practical to send through the mail to get signed a lot. But for something like that, I would definitely be willing to, you know, go go out of my way to try to get that one done. What are some of the tough starting lineups that you have that are signed? Uh, as far as signed, just Lawrence Taylor. That was the tip of the iceberg, and I'm trying not to let that get too out of hand because that could turn into an expensive habit really quickly with the way postal rates have gotten these days. Do you uh, do you like the new starting lineups that just came out recently? I, I think that they're very cool, and I definitely see the appeal. They're just not really for me because, for one, I just don't. I'm always going to lean more towards the airs that I grew up with. I mean, I still enjoy, you know, all the current sports, but as far as, you know, heavy collecting, I'm just a lot more inclined to go after the guys that I grew up watching in terms of collectibles. 
Do you like some of the newer? newer, Do you like some of the newer releases, uh, especially the Upper Deck uh, Hockey and uh, OPG releases? Do you like some of the newer stuff? I actually do. You know, I think Upper Deck does for all their faults. I I like how Upper Deck always does a good job of representing like the older generations of players and a lot of their products. So it's kind of a good mix. You can open a pack of cards or a box of cards, and you know. You can hit some modern stars like your Matthews, McDavid, and whatnot, but then, you know, you also could hit, you know, some Eisermans, Bork, Gretzky, players like that. So it's kind of nice to see all the generations covered in a lot of the upper deck products out there. Do you do much trading? Well, I do as much trading as I can. Unfortunately, with hockey, you know, the majority of potential traders would be in Canada, and it's just really to the point now with trying to ship bubble mailers to Canada it almost exceeds the value of the cards a lot of times when trying to trade. So I try to trade hockey when I can. It's just a much smaller market within the U.S. to try to trade in. So that that's just kind of a more of a difficult thing. I've been doing a lot more football trading lately online. But with hockey, unfortunately, it's just a kind of a much smaller pool within the U.S. as far as trading with other hobbyists go. Do you have a preference over the, the old OPG to the, the, the top, the vintage top, so you don't really care? Well. I, the thing is, I like Tops just because, you know, obviously, you know, Tops is kind of the American-based company, and obviously I'm a lot more familiar with having access to Tops growing up as a kid. But with a lot of the older sets, with OPG, you had bigger sets, so there were a lot of players in the OPG set that may not have been in Tops. So yep. it's kind of a kind of a little bit of both there. It's like I like Tops for the tradition, but also like getting the extra players in the OPG set. Know what I like about the OPG set is because you didn't, you know, I collected tops as a kid and you didn't see all the OPG. So when you see a card of a guy, you're like, wow, I haven't seen that picture before. Right. And of course, with some of the uh, airbrushing in the older sets like that, you probably were better off not seeing some of the cards or some of the photography and airbrush jobs of that era. What do you use Twitter or uh, LinkedIn, not LinkedIn, uh, Twitter or Instagram or uh any of the online Facebook groups? Do you are you involved with any of that stuff? Uh, I'm just strictly Facebook. You know, I had a Twitter for a while, but it's been dormant for a couple of years, and I just kind of kind of got to the point to where you know there's not really anything that you can accomplish on Twitter that you can't accomplish on Facebook. So you know, I'm in a handful of different hobby groups on Facebook, and that that's pretty much about the extent of my collecting networking, I guess you could say, for the most part. Well, guys, we're talking with Lee Alexander. He is from Alabama, originally from Mississippi. He's a big hockey guy. He is big into um, boxing. Sorry, boxing. And he also collects baseball and football with his son. Uh, and we talked, we're just talking a little collecting with, with Lee. Lee, why don't you give your, your Facebook candle so if people want to follow you or, or talk to you about, about anything that you're into and maybe they have some stuff they want to trade with you, why don't, why don't you give that out and they can that, that way they can reach out to you. Yeah, sure. And, you know, you can just find me on Facebook. My name is Lee Alexander. And, you know, just look for a a big beard holding a beer and that'll be me in the profile picture. All right, pal. Thank you. It was nice meeting you. Nice talking, collecting with you. And uh, hopefully we can we can meet one day at at one of the shows and and, uh, maybe watch our minor league game together. It sounds great, Jeff. And keep up the good work on the podcast. I definitely enjoy listening on a weekly basis. So I'm definitely looking forward to the next episode coming out as well. All right. Thank you, buddy. Nice to meet you. You too. Thank you. Well, Drew, thanks for bringing Lee to the show. I, you know, I, yeah. I know Lee's a friend of yours, and it was great to talk to him and learn what he's into. 
Yeah, we've known each other for like 23 years now, and we've met in person a whole one time ever, and that was this past summer. But yeah, he's, I mean, yeah, big hockey collector. You know, I mentioned, you know, Joe Koser and all the tough guys like that. So that's how we ended up really talking for the first time. We were both, you know, fans of the fighters and everything and spent the next few years trading hockey fight tapes and DVDs and uh, autographs and cards and everything. He's picked up, he's found some stuff like out on the road for me before. He actually, uh, I think he got me my um, Diamond Kings Jesse Orozco, I think was a pickup of his. He found it like a, thrift shop out in Florida or something like that of all places. I'm like, oh yeah, I need that. Go ahead and grab that and I'll pay you back for it. But yeah, I've been uh, dealing with him for years now. And yeah, it was really cool to get to finally meet here this past summer and everything. Yeah, it was really fun to talk to him. So thanks for bringing him into the show. Next up is making, making the, grade. the grade, making the grade. We're going to talk a little grading, what's going on in the grading community next. Making the Grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. Collecting trading cards can be expensive, but grading doesn't have to be. You can now grade your cards for as low as $12 a card with CSG. Get your sports cards in the industry's best and clearest holders. CSG also offers amazing customer service, fast turnaround times, and accurate, consistent grading. Plus, get access to the CSG registry and compete against other collectors for the best collections. Go to csgcards.com to start protecting your personal collection today. Save $10 off a yearly membership to CSG with code TTMCAST. Get your favorite cards into the industry's best holder for even less. Save $10 off your membership with code TTMCAST at csgcards.com. Well, this is this is a milestone, right? This th these guys have been with us since since, uh, since since they started it, really, and uh, mm -hmm. we really appreciate their support. And we're talking about our friends at CSG. They are entering entering their third year of grading cards, and they have graded 1.3 million cards, which is wow. pretty impressive, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, it's real tough to be able to crack the big three there with Beckett, ESA, SGC, and so for CSG to be able to make it a big four that quickly great on them great having them on board and really hoping to see a lot more success from them as they continue on yep so congratulations csg 1.3 million cards in three years which is really cool also we get some news from psa psa has opened a uh netherlands submission center which is really strange to even think about it but you know it, it is becoming a a worldwide uh, hobby and the, there's a lot of collecting and cards in europe now there's a i know mm -hmm. um uh, our friend Bar Brian Parrip was went into a, a card store in England, in London that I saw. So uh, the, this card store is kind of popping up in England. And uh, now PSA has an, uh, opened a submission center in the Netherlands, which is kind of cool. We have some grading numbers for the week of the 27th to March 5th. Yeah, some uh, big uh, increases in number of cards graded there from really all four companies, but two of them really leading the way with PSA up 34%. They did 270,000 cards over the past week. Beckett saw a 47% increase, 20,800 for them. CSG, a small increase, 7%. They're up 328,800. Uh, 32, there we go. And those uh, in their cards graded. SGC, an 8% increase, 25,700 cards for them. So nice to see uh, Beckett and PSA both uh, jumping up after what was kind of a slow week the week before for them. 
Yeah, I agree. And those numbers for, come from GemRate, GemRate.com. Uh, our big three, we're not going to have our big three this week because we're recording this early on Thursday. So we will have the big three on Tuesday, uh, on Wednesday, uh, this coming up. So we'll put it, we'll have the big three uh, this Wednesday from GemRate. So we would thank GemRate uh, for supplying all our grading numbers and uh, we, we, we enjoyed uh, working with them. So Drew, I think that cl that closes out making the grade. Next up is the TTMcast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTMcast stamp of approval. Drew, why don't you take it? Why don't you do your stamp of approval first? All right. Well, I've been absolutely binge watching this channel on YouTube over the last week or so. It's called Jaguar Gator 9. And what this guy does, he puts together all of these little NFL history videos of like weird little quirky events throughout NFL history. And they go, I mean, there's some that go back as far as like 1920s, all the way up to stuff here from like this past year. And he's got some playlists that uh, are like just individual teams on there. So you can watch like, you know, just the, just the stories dealing with the Browns, just the stories dealing with the Patriots, just the stories dealing with uh, the Carolina Panthers, whoever you want to watch. He's also got them broken down even by year. So like all the events that happened in 1990, he's got a playlist for that. For 1997, there's one for that. I think those ones go back to 1970 or thereabouts, all the way up to current day. But it's all sorts of these little stories that you like would never have heard about or may never have remembered or anything. Like, for example, one of them was, I think, from the 1991 season, talking about how the Bills and Lions game, which seems like it wouldn't really be much of anything, is like this week 17 game almost didn't end up getting on TV, even though it was supposed to be the nationally televised game. And the reason being, there was a fire in the truck outside the a satellite truck outside the oh, stadium. Wow. It's this electrical fire, and they're thinking, oh my God, how are we going to get this? this? is the nationally televised game. We have no way of getting it back to the station. Even like the pregame show, they showed a clip of the pregame show where they're showing, oh yeah, you know, the Cowboys are taking the field in their game, blah, 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 blah. We've also got the Bills and Lions coming up. They don't show a clip of that one at all because they had no way to beam it back to the station. And literally about five seconds before they were supposed to go on, they were able to rewire the truck and it's like, bam, it's up. Okay, go with it. And they were able to roll with it the rest of the way there. But they were starting to make plans because they had like a backup generator or something like that. And that failed as well. So they're down to like, okay, well, we don't have a third plan. They had to bring in like the CBS affiliate locally was like sending all their equipment down to try to. Yeah, they get like the hamster running the wheel. keeping the Just about. Going. Yeah, you've got the hand crank motors going on there and everything, but. Yeah, they somehow were able to get everything up and running, but they were trying to figure out, okay, well, we can use local stuff, but we're only going to have like two cameras to be able to run this national feed. It's like, this is taking it back to, you know, 1965 television quality, basically with that. But it has all kinds of stories like that. Super Bowl commercials that didn't air for whatever reason, or that did air and ended up kind of regrettable. Um, yeah, anything associated with football in the NFL, weird little stories, they've got stuff on it on there. And I cannot recommend it highly enough. I mean, I could sit there and watch this thing for hours just on some of the stories they've had. So What's Jaguar it again? It's, on, it's on YouTube. Yes, YouTube. And the uh, name of the channel is Jaguar Gator 9. It's Jaguar okay. Gator and the number nine, put it all together. They have a college one that's a Jaguar Gator 8, and he's starting a baseball one at Jaguar Gator 7 as well. Check it out. I'll have to check it out. Well, my TTM cast stamp approval is The Mandalorian. It's starting the third season. It is on Disney+. Plus. It's the Star Wars uh i don't know esque saga right and it's one, really one of the good. offshoots of it yeah yeah it's got the it's got the little baby yoda and the the mandalorian guy and the the gra the story's good and the graphics are good and the the all the monsters are good and they, they they we just started the third season i think i've seen there's two episodes in right now and it comes out every wednesday night 
and I'm going to highly recommend The Mandalorian on uh, Disney Plus. Make sure you check that out. That out. It's about an hour, and it's well worth your hour. Well, Drew, that wraps up TTMcast stamp of approval. Next up is the Burn Rat Minute. Vern Rap Min is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rap, who passed away prior to me sending out a TTM request. And we do this as a service to our fellow TTMers, let people know who passed away in the world of sports and celebrity. And we lost a bunch of people again this week, even though we're, we're, we're only about two-thirds of a week. But we lost uh, Moses Gray. Moses was an offensive and de- defensive tackle in 1961 and 62 with the New York t- uh, Titans. He went to the University of Indiana. He was not a TTMer. Moses Gray was 85 years old. Oh, we lost Thomas Cam Jacobs this week. He was a linebacker, played at the University of Kentucky, and spent the 1987 season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not a big TTM. I saw one TTM success from him over the years. Uh, Thomas Cam Jacobs was 60 years old. Drew, we lost Peter Mangrini. He was a pitcher in the Red Sox uh, system. He played uh, one one season with them at the end of the year. He had a couple of starts. 1966, he was actually 0-1 with a 9.82 ERA. You say, well, why do I need care about Peter Mangrini with, with that, that record? Well, you know what? Peter shared his 1966 rookie card with George Boomer Scott. So, uh, you know, that, you, you know, you can't complete that, that card anymore because Boomer's no longer with us and now Peter's no longer with us. He was also traded to the Yankees in 1967 uh, for Elston Howard as part of the Elston Howard deal that helped the, the Red Sox win the pennant. So, uh, you know, he played a role. He last TTM'd in 2022. He was a pretty good TTM'er, actually. Uh, Peter was 80 years old. We lost Dan McGinn this week. Uh, he was a pitcher for a number of teams with the Reds, the Expos, the Cubs. Played from 1968 to 1972, 210 games for him over that time. He had a 15 and 30 record with 10 saves. Excellent TTMer for quite a long time. Dan McGinn was 79 years old. We lost Fred Merlowski, 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 something like Merlowski. that. Yeah. He was an infielder and outfielder with the Cardinals in the 50s. He played in 1953. He uh, last he attempted in 2022. Fred was 94 years old. We lost Gary Rossington this week. He was the final uh, member of the original lineup of Leonard Skinner that was still live. And you will you can hear his work all over the place, but especially on the song Freebird. He was the lead guitarist on there, rips off the crazy soloing there on the end of that. Gary Rossington was 71 years old. And uh, lastly, in the world of entertainment, we lost Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore was an actor. He was a kind of a character actor, right, in a lot of things. But he was in, uh, he played, he was in Saving Private Ryan. He, was, he had a big role in that. Tom Sizemore was 61 years old. Well, Drew, that wraps up um, the Vern Rat Minute. We uh, Our condolences uh, go to everyone. We are sorry for your loss. Next up, we're going to talk a little TTM returns. Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM returns. Well, Drew, I think we're starting to do, you and I are starting to do a lot better in these returns. 
Well, yeah, we had a couple of weeks there where it's like uh, I know it's I like had, the, right. Are we still are, are we still t tamming? <laughs> yeah, it's like we were alternating. Like I'd have a really crappy week of like getting nothing or one or two, and then you get twenty of them in, and then I'd have a week with like fifteen, and you'd have a week with one or two. So yeah, we're kind of both uh, we're evening it out a little bit now. Very cool. You know what? I I'll do mine first because I had a lot, and then you had a lot as well. So I'll go. I'll quickly go through mine. I got Rikia. Rikia was a winger for the Penguins back in the day, and I got him uh, on three cards. I got him on his 79, 80 card, his 76, uh, 77 card, and his 77, 78 card. He signed uh, just our Keo and, and Blue Sharpie on all three cards, no number, but um, got it back in a couple weeks. I got, this is a cool one. I got Kurt Bennett. Kurt Bennett played for the uh, Atlanta Flames, and he played he played for the um, St. Louis Blues. He was a centerman. And I got him on his uh, 76, 77, and 79 uh, tops cards. And Kurt you know, lives in um, Hawaii. He may, nice. he builds custom uh, waterfalls. He sent me his business card. And in, in his card, he, he signed, he said, Aloha, Jeff, and he signed his name to it. So I was pretty happy to get that one. Now the hockey one, I got Bernie Wolf, who was a goalie with the Washington Capitals. I, he signed his 79 card for me in black Sharpie. I got Clyde Lee on his 74 tops card. He was a uh, warrior. He play, played for the uh, San Francisco Warriors. And uh, he was a pretty good player back in the day. And uh, I got I got him in a couple of weeks. I also got uh, Billy Butler on. He he was, uh, I got him in his draft picks card. I think this is 2005 uh, first year card. draft says draft picks. Played with the Kansas City Royals and he signed his name and number in a couple of weeks. I got Johnny Ray. Johnny Ray was a second baseman with the Pittsburgh Pirates back in the day, and I got him on his eighty-seven tops card. Um, and he signed a blue sharpie. I got Dave Kingman. This one was out for a while, probably like three months, and I didn't send anything any money, but he signed it. It was his uh, his uh, eighty-two tops card. I got Ricky Young on his 83 tops card. He was a running back for the Vikings. He signed his name and number. That one took a couple uh, couple months. And then lastly, I just got back today. I got Dennis Heron, who was the goalie for the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins. And I, he also was with the Kansas City Scouts. So mm-hmm. I got him on his 67, uh, on his 66, his, 70, his 76, his 77, and his 79, 80 uh tops card so very happy to get those back he personalized them he said uh to jeff best wishes and he signed it so those those were all, that was a pr- pretty quick turnaround so it's pretty good i got some hockey i got some baseball i got some uh football it was all kind of basketball all, all over the place um and then i actually sent out i think i sent out six or seven cards um yesterday so we got we got some more hopefully they'll they'll come back when, when uh, i come back from vacation how'd you do Pretty good. Eight of them total this week, three from baseball and five in the hockey world. So a uh, bunch of them that I cranked out recently, all coming back very quickly here. So very happy to see that, but go in order that I got them in. So starting on, uh, let's see, this would have been Monday, pulled in Ron Reed, who is a card number 787 of 787 in the uh, 1972 top set. He's one that I didn't have yet. He charges $10 to sign, but signed my card and I uh, wrote a short note back as well. It's uh raises his autographs raise money for a uh, children's camp that he helps out with that um, is dedicated to uh, kind of, you know, giving good times to children who are uh, suffering from cancer. So he played, definitely for, great. He, he played professional basketball as well. Didn't he? I'm not sure if he did or not. I know there were okay. a few pitchers back in the sixties and seventies who did a uh, full double do there. He he might one of them, but I could be wrong. Yeah. But yeah, I know at the very least he pitched for the Braves. That's who he's uh, with in the 72 card there, but 
$10 for that one took about a week and a half only to get back to me. So good cause for that 10 bucks too. Um, over in the hockey world, I got Jan Stastny. You may, uh, I mean, everybody who's a hockey fan knows the name Stastny because you've got Paul Stastny who plays in the NHL now. You've got uh, his father, Peter Stastny, his father's brother, Marion Stastny, and Anton Stastny. Jan Stastny is Paul's brother who played uh, briefly in the NHL with the Bruins and the Oilers, mostly played over in Europe after that. But uh, he signed through his home address, took a little over a week or so to get that one back. He's living in Colorado now. True, that's classic Bruins. That's the Stastny we get. Yep, yep, of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we're not paying to... for the real. We're not paying for the real Stastny's. We'll we'll pay exactly. for the, for, for his little brother. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, moving on to Tuesday, got four in on Tuesday. Of in the baseball world, it was Brian Maxey, who was a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers back in the mid '90s or so. I remember seeing him uh, pitch then when I'd spend uh, summers up in Michigan. There, he signed uh, four cards. I had also wrote a short note back to me as well. So cool to get that one. Uh, back into the hockey world again, we got uh, Ruslan Fedotenko, who played for several teams throughout his career, came up with the Lightning, then went to, I think it was the, or no, came up with the Flyers, then went to Lightning, won a cup with the Lightning, ended up with the Islanders and the Penguins, won another cup with the Penguins. Then I think he went to the Rangers after that, and then I think he finished with the Lightning, or no, no finished with the uh, Flyers once again. Uh, very quick signer, took about a week and a half to an address in Florida. Uh, we got Craig Janney, who you, of course, would recognize as a former Bruin. Hi, Bruin. Played for a whole bunch of teams. He was with the uh, Sharks, the Blues, the Coyotes. I want to say he was supposed to be traded to the Canucks and refused to report and went back. It was part of this uh, whole deal that involved the Peter Nedved signing and all that. But uh, he bounced around quite a bit, but he signed very quickly for me. I think it was about a week and a half on him as well. Here's the big one that came in on Tuesday. Henrik Lundqvist, King Henrik, the uh, great goaltender for a long time there with the New York Rangers. Found a home address for him, sent one off and crossed my fingers and it came back signed. So it's one of the big four that I still need on my uh, upper deck rookie class sets. That's uh, what I got Stastny on as well. So I've gone from needing 10 on that down to needing eight on it. Unfortunately, out of those remaining eight, three of them are future Hall of Famers. It'll cost a ton to get signed. Four of them are over in Russia and there's the mail embargo going on over there. So I can't really uh, send off to them or even not like even want to because, I mean, Russia's postal system is terrible. So... And then there's one left who's up in Canada right now is a goalie coach. I tried him, but he hasn't really had very many successes. So we'll see what happens there, though. I mean, hey, I didn't expect Lundqvist to come back either. So maybe Kelly Gard will come back to me, too, then. And then two that came in today, we got Brian McRae, former outfielder for a number of teams, most notably with the Royals, Mets, and Cubs, son of Hal McRae, the former Royals great. Uh, he signed for me about a week and a half as well through the radio station that he works with. And last one I got was Jim Rutherford, who is, of course, a legendary front office guy, worked as a GM for a number of teams. I believe he turned the Carolina Hurricanes into Stanley Cup winners, turned the Pittsburgh Penguins into Stanley Cup winners. He's out with uh, Vancouver now, and I said to an address in Canada, just outside Vancouver, I believe. I don't know if it's a home address or if it was the, uh, the uh, Canucks address. It was one of those two, though. It took about a month, though, crossing the border there, so uh, not too bad, but that's another Hall of Famer rookie card that I'm able to add to the collection right there and getting him. Yeah, you and I have been on kind of a hockey kick lately, haven't we? Yeah, I went through a couple boxes of uh, hockey stuff that I had here and figured, all right, you know, just be pull a random box out, start looking guys up, see who signs, you know, somebody I haven't written to in a long time, somebody that I've never written to, anything like that. And so, yeah, that's turned out pretty well so far. Very cool. Well, thank you, Drew. Ho hopefully your mailbox is full next week when, and we get some, some, a lot of good returns. Well, you know what, Drew, I think it's time to wrap this thing up. What do you think? And this is how it ends. All right, let's wrap it up. 
I want to thank Lee Alexander, Collector Lee Alexander, for joining us in Collector's Corner. Les Wolf, of course, and more from Les. We love talking to Les. I want to thank the, the guys from the Bob Feller uh, Award, uh, Act of Valor Award, uh, Peter and Steve. Thank you. Uh, we'll be talking to them. Look forward to dealing with them in the, in the next year. I want to remind everyone of our TTM cast one-on-one and thank Lou Nanny was on this past week. And uh, next Wednesday, we have Kunal Chopra, who is the CEO of Beckett. So we got we have uh, all sorts of cool stuff. And I, I think I've, I've got four or five athletes that I've interviewed in the last week that we're going to be nice. playing on TTM cast one-on-one. So we have uh, a couple of hockey players, a uh, a couple of uh, baseball players. We've got all sorts of guys. So we're going to talk to basketball players. We've got all sorts of guys. So that is coming up uh, next week. We have Sean Smith, who is the the biggest Mickey Rivers collector in the world. And we're going to talk to Sean about his passion for Mickey Rivers. We also have Les Wolf. Um, and then we have all sorts of all our regular segments as well next week. So we will have our show on Wednesday. Make sure you listen to our TTM cast one-on-one. We love doing that. So we keep it to be an hour guys. So we don't, you don't have to worry about three hour marathons on our Wednesday <laughs> shows. Right, Drew? Exactly. All right. Anything else to, uh, talk about before, before I fly off to Florida? No, but I think that's about it. If anybody's going to be out at the Dallas card show this weekend, I will be there on Sunday. So stop by, say hi. If you're going to be out there, I'll be around probably in my TTM cast shirt. So hopefully uh, if you're, if you're listening and you're going to be out there, stop by and see me. All right, Drew, happy hunting in those dollar boxes. I know that we love doing that. I want to wish everyone many happy returns and we will see you on Wednesday. Have a good week. Be good. (laughs) 